Hey everybody, welcome to another amazing episode of The Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Ash Thorpe, and this is going to be episode 104 with non-player comic creator Nate Simpson, who joins us this week to discuss how he got his start in the industry, his thoughts on modern entertainment and remix culture, along with his concept on finding your reef. We also dissect our icons in life and dig deep into what it is, what it is to be original and to find your authentic self. This episode is brought to you by Chipotle and our good friend Steven Spielbro. Here we go, world. Episode 104, all up in your ears. Let's roll. So how did you get into comics? I mean, the comics is, it seems like you were working at like a game studio. Um, what were you doing for the game studio prior to getting into this stuff? Uh, let's see. Well, that would have been my most recent game job, um, which was at gas powered games. Uh, and I was the art director and concept artist for, um, <clears throat> a game called demigod. Okay. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I was, I, I'd been in games since 1993, uh, sort of bouncing back and forth from company to company. It's sort of like migrant work. It's like really well paying migrant work. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I, I guess I had enough uh, enough energy in the money battery uh, that I that I felt like I could take some time off, um, and and it took took a little convincing, but my wife sort of bought into it. And uh, hmm. I, I actually, originally, I was going to write a screenplay um, oh, yeah. for uh, this big epic sci-fi uh, space opera called Gordon and the Star Eater, um, and uh, yeah, I, I probably worked on that for about. I don't know, five or six months before it, um, it, it got obvious that it was terrible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow. and then I was like, well, we've, we've chewed through six months of savings and I have essentially like kindling for a fire. I don't really have a screenplay. Um, and yeah, I, I really hit bottom and, and, and really felt like, because this had been sort of a, an idea that had been germinating for like, you know, more than a decade, we all have that special project that, that we've been sort of nursing since art school Yeah, that we would that? always do if we got that, that just that little bit of extra time or money that we could go after it. Mm-hmm. And that <clears> was yeah, Gordon well, the should... Star Eater? Gordon and the Star Eater? And the Star Eater, yeah. That um, was but, you your know, project, yeah. your, your love project or your bucket list project? Yeah, yeah, that was it. Um, and, and what I discovered was that when you've been chewing on something for that long, it kind of ossifies. It, it just, it's no longer, it, it won't mutate anymore. It's like this monolithic thing. Hmm. And, um, and I needed to be nimbler because I was learning a great deal about what makes a story function, uh, and, and what makes something not suck, <laughs> but I didn't have, I didn't have the, the maneuverability to alter my course with this idea. Cause I'd been chewing on it for so long. You know, I, I knew all the scenes, I knew all the cool stuff that had to happen in this order uh, but that that's that kind of works against good storytelling. So, <clears throat> yeah, I, I I completely ran out of gas. Was giving up trying to figure out what to do next. And uh, and and then my just one of my friends, a guy who's a who's now a concept artist at. Um, now this is the king of all brain farts. Who makes Skyrim? <laughs> Skyrim. Um, uh, I don't Bethesda. know. Bethesda. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Hey. My my friend Ray Laterer is a concept artist over there, and he. Uh, he said, uh, yeah, why don't you try doing a comic? Like, you know, think a little bit sort of smaller scale and, and, and see what you can get done with the little bit of money you have left. Um, 
And it was the first time I kind of let myself think about a new idea since since college. I mean, it had been like 10, 15 years of just chewing on that one, like super, it was going to be the best thing ever kind of idea. <laughs> and it's amazing how liberating it is to like put that aside and say, all right, well, clean slate. Let, 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 this, this is a new life now. You, you're putting that aside. What What's the other thing you would make if you had the time? And, uh, and it just all just swooshed in at once, literally in one, and that, that night that he made that suggestion, like the whole idea for non-player kind of coalesced. Hmm. Uh, um, and I started drawing the next day and, uh, I started posting pages onto a blog that was originally like read by, you know, three people. Is this Project Walden? Friends. Is that what it is? Yeah. Project Wall. You can dig way back in the archive, and at the beginning, it's not even about drawing a comic. In the beginning, it is about working on that screenplay. <laughs> I don't think anyone's gone back that far. Hmm. But um, yeah, it's quite mopey at the beginning. And then I start posting these comic pages, and you start seeing more and more comments. Um, and, and yeah, and then I, I, I think I sent some art to Brandon Graham, who's a, a comic artist who done a ton of stuff king city and multiple warheads um and uh and then he blogged about it and he had a popular blog and then apparently warren ellis read that blog and warren ellis blogged about it and then suddenly like there were thousands like in over a couple weeks there were like thousands of people reading the blog and uh and then yeah image image came on sort of sort of contacted me and you're going fast through this you better slow down i got questions well, I mean, that's, that's all before I even, just, like, I mean, this is like five you. pages in. No, no, I, I feel you, though. It happened really bizarrely quickly. Mm, and okay. and I, I had, in fact, submitted it to Image through official channels, like, a couple months earlier and got nothing. I, I don't even, I'm, that might be a blind email address. I have no idea. We'll betide anyone who tries to get in the official way. Hmm. But uh, but then I, I met this guy Joe Keating who worked at at Image. He now writes Shutter for Image, and uh, yeah, and he sort of got me the hookup. And yeah, because you're curious about is, all that stuff yeah. too. You know, um, I've done quite a bit of research as well um, regarding um, distribution channels for comics, and Image uh, has constantly been popping up as far as uh, independent artists who want to protect their own IP but need the distribution channel and image seems to be one of those companies that um, really fits the bill for that. Would you agree or somewhat? Um, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it image is the best deal in comics and has been for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, Todd McFarlane's thing, right? Yeah. He helped start it. That's right. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's all these like old legendary guys from, from the old like X-Men days. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a super creator friendly contract. It's, they, they give you a, a, a very large cut relative to what the other people, the other publishers will give you. And you retain, you retain ownership of your IP, which is like huge. There's really nothing more important than that. Cause if it turns into something beyond just a comic that, that can be very powerful as as you know robert kirkman learned with walking dead (laughs) yeah he's lucky that was an image comic because if it was a dc comic he would have been working for hire and would have just gotten paid per page a huge bummer (laughs) yeah no it's definitely really um 
yeah, just from my research and just asking other artists, it's definitely a, it's designed to um, allow artists to create a living off of doing comics or whatever, because yeah, like you said, it's not an art for hire necessarily. It can actually be a growing business uh, and a venture basically, which is pretty cool. Yeah, especially if you have, you know, the chops to do a, a real monthly comic. I mean, they're, they're, you know, most, most of them are. Um, and yeah, that's, that's a good living. Good for them. Yeah, no, it's awesome. If they put the work in, they might as well get paid for it too. Especially if they're able to yeah. build a fan base, you know, which, which is interesting though. It's, it's what I'm also fascinated by is the art of business within this industry as well, because as we all know, um, comics aren't obviously nearly as powerful as they once were, especially when I was a kid. Um, but it doesn't mean they're completely dead. It just means that it's a different world, basically, you know, which is really interesting. Yeah, it, it kind of feels like the center of now. Now, I, I sort of come to comics um, every few years and then I kind of go away from them and then I come back. So I'm getting these sort of snapshots every two or three years when I come back into the orbit of comics. Mm-hmm. Um, Why is and, that? And, and it's uh, just cause I get super busy and I have a kid and uh, it's only when I'm sort of wrapped up in the promotion and, and, you know, all, all the stuff surrounding getting a new issue of non-player out, which is a, apparently a multi-year affair. Um, every time I sort of come back into this world and I'm going to comic shops and I'm going to conventions and doing the signings and all that stuff, uh, I get reacquainted with, with everything that everybody's been reading and everything that everyone's been talking about. So on this orbit, you know, everything's about, you know, saga is huge. Um, it really feels like the center of gravity has kind of shifted more away from the big two and image really feels like they're ascendant even as far as like their position in the comic shop when Mm. non-player one came out four years ago the image rack was usually kind of in the back of the shop and marvel and dc were up front but image seems to be getting this cultural relevancy i think it's because they're their stuff is much more sort of diverse, both both in the material itself and in in the audiences and the people who are making the stuff. Um, yeah, whatever they're doing, they're doing it right. I think Eric Stevenson, the guy who is the publisher at Image, really has very eclectic tastes and, and must have a real stomach for uncertainty because he he brings in some really unusual stuff and and it feels like more often than not it pays off. Yeah, there's a lot of risk-taking I see on the racks when I go to comic book shops. I don't really participate much in the comic book. Uh, like, I don't follow series as much as what, as I think is like what you're talking about. Um, there are some, um, but yeah, I have, I have a hard time sometimes really getting into it. I have a couple of friends who follow it really strongly, but when I go to the comic book store, I'm always, of course, buying stuff. But um, the image stuff always feels like it's... Um, it's a little punk rock or something. It's a little different. It's not like the same old, like yeah. big titted, uh, like she woman or something. I don't know what the, uh, yeah, Supergirl no, you're right. Something with like the super clothes and everything. Um, whatever that's, it's, everybody has their own thing. That stuff sells just as much, you know, or I don't even know if it does, but that has its, its all own category completely. Um, but the image stuff just kind of feels a little bit punk rock, a little bit different, um, to me. It, it really does. And I think it's kind of even changing the character of the industry uh, as the center of gravity moves toward image. Uh, I, I even feel a difference in the way that 
comic book shops themselves feel. They feel like, as I remember them in the past, they were this place that was like, you know, very dark and heavy metal oriented and very <laughs> male and very, you know, black t-shirts and busts of Hellboy all over the, whatever that had, <laughs> you know, not nothing. No, I love Hellboy, by the way. So I don't Yeah, me too. We should talk about Hellboy. Hellboy. Mignola is the best, but so. <laughs> he is, um, yeah. He is the best. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm yeah. so derailed. We can talk about Manola now if you want. But um, <laughs> the the comic shops now, I'm noticing more and more shops, and new, especially the newer shops, are places you might actually want to hang out. Some of them even have places where you can drink coffee, and and it it really speaks to a completely new set of people who are reading them. Yeah, uh, and I'm I like that because I feel like I relate more to this new set of people than I did to the the sort of traditional reader base. I, well, I, I was a teenage boy once, and I guess it felt, I felt like I fit in back then. But, uh, yeah, I haven't really felt welcome in the years since. It's interesting you bring that up because I've noticed a big change in actually the consciousness of humanity in general in America, which is in regards to, let's say, like eating habits and eating healthy. Um, yeah. Like, um there's this, there's this place down here that I love to eat at. It's called Native Foods, and it's a vegan place. But it doesn't smell like patchouli. And it doesn't have, like, it's not, it's not blasting Bob Marley. And it has incense and shit. And so I could go in there and go, like, I could bring my, like, totally uh, insecure, meat-loving friends into it. And they don't even know what's going to hit them. And it's great, you know. If I brought them into, like, a place with a bunch of, you know, incense. and stuff, It was the same thing, you know. I think people are just getting wise to the, the concept that, if you want to keep bringing people in here, we need to, you know, adapt and react and change things and make it. Because the last time I was in the comic book shop, I think I saw more women than men. And I was like, yeah. that's cool. You know, that's really cool. Um, because like you said, I remember when I was younger and I'd go into comic book shops, it would just be like some dude with long hair, uh, just like torn up metallic t-shirt right. and just bitching about comics and stuff, you know, and, uh, it was interesting, but now the change is definitely there. I think, um, what do you think that's equated to? I, I, I don't know. I, I think image definitely had something to do with it. Uh, they've certainly been open to, you know, new, new kinds of narratives. I, you know, it, it even just occurred to me that the comic book guy from The Simpsons is going to be a reference that future people don't understand <laughs> because comic book shops aren't going to be that place anymore. Yeah. That's strange. It is strange, you know, if you think about it. But at the same time, it's we should talk about nostalgia, too, because especially if we're talking <laughs> about um, Mobius and Otomo and all that stuff. I mean, those guys, there's they're not really around anymore. You know, obviously John Jero is no longer with us, but um, there are amazing talent out there, obviously, but we don't live in the era of heavy metal. You know, those things, I guess, you know what I think could could possibly be possibly be interesting is that that era is coming back in a different way though. Do you think that's possible? You know, I've never thought about it, and it's a it's a wonderful thought, man. I hope it is because that was an amazing era. Now, what what is the revolution in consciousness that would cause that to come around again? Do you think a lot of it's um, social um, unrest? I think a lot of it's uh, people desiring some sort of truth or um, civil unrest or strife. I think a lot of the times um, that's where the punk rock era came out of. And I was actually talking about this with a friend today about 
you know, punk rock when it first started. And then it actually became turned into like different facets of metal and different facets of different types of genres and stuff. Um, but I think it's an energy thing, obviously not to get all kumbaya, kumbaya, you know? So, but I think Mm -hmm. that's really what it breaks down to. I mean, you're a fan of, uh, Mobius. So you understand the way that that guy kind of saw the world, which is very almost childlike with a maturity that's so unique and there's a brilliance to his work. Uh, each line's very honest, you know, um, the way that that guy would create was just kind of draw what his mind would see. And that's really, really unique, I think. And it's fascinating. Right. It's really shitty too, because for when you first start (laughs) and you see that kind of stuff, you're like, well, like I, maybe I should just not even try. Like, I don't know if this is even worth my time. (laughs) It's it's, it's, yeah, it's sucks. But at the same time, um, I don't know. We talking a bit about the the revolution of um, heavy metal and stuff when what it what what it once was. I mean, for, for me, it was uh, it was a unique publication that was kind of exposing interesting concepts and ideas and art um, and publicized. You know, I don't know. Sure. Well, I mean, it still ex- exists. There is yes, still a heavy Tumblr. metal. Yeah. Um, well, no, I mean, heavy metal itself still exists. I, 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 yeah. I don't know where you buy it, but it literally still exists. But but your, your your point is well taken, is that the place that you go for that eclectic, whatever, international flavor is is the internet. It's not it's not a magazine anymore. Yeah. Uh, but but the you know, it's you were talking about this revolution. I wonder one thing I feel like I've been noticing is that there's a kind of global artistic monoculture that's kind of rising up where there was a period where everybody's styles were kind of pollinating each other. And there was like really kind of interesting hybrid styles because, you know, suddenly we're all seeing everybody's stuff all at once. Yeah. So like everyone's like, Oh, you got to see this Korean guy is awesome. Or, you know, this Chinese guy or <laughs> How about this Kim French Jung-Ji? guy. I mean, it's, <laughs> well, of course it's Kim Jong-Ji, but like, uh, yeah. the like Korean so, drawing so, monster. So, that guy is unbelievable. But, but, but that, see, now that relates to the thing you were saying about um, Mobius and, and seeing how much he did. And you're at the beginning of your career and feeling a little bit intimidated about ever being able to compete with that. Yeah. But, the fuck? Um, but also, like, so the, the general, I would say the average quality at the top level of, of art that's being made right now is incredibly high. Like there's just so many people doing it from so many places. Yeah. There's just going to be just in terms of absolute numbers, a very high number of quality artists. But I also feel like because of the internet, the art's getting a little bit more samey. And I, I don't, I might not find very many people who are willing to agree with me on that one, uh, oh, but I especially in the world of games. Yeah. Oh, it, it's, yeah. it's, 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 getting harder and harder to tell tell people apart i i i know like like there's every there's like like a trillion people coming out of you know these sort of animation schools that all kind of work in a a kind of adventure timey style or whatever and it's like they're all amazing they all have amazing color sensibility they all can animate like demons i can't (laughs) tell them apart yeah um and so I don't know, maybe that style, that's awesome. Then? 
Well, yeah, no, I, I, the hive mind is very prevalent right now, especially with the Tumblr nation and that whole kind of the Tumblr world, basically. Right. So, so I think there might actually be a value now. Uh, now I'm, <laughs> I'm not exactly objective on this, but there might be a value to being a little bit hermetic, to being a little bit isolated or a little bit out of the loop. Yeah. Because it gives you the ability to bring a, a new flavor to the conversation, or in my case, a very old flavor. I think probably if I have any appeal, it's that I've got a bunch of tastes that went into the deep freeze sometime around like 1993 <laughs> and then they didn't evolve at all. Hmm. And, and then maybe for me, the revolution was a revolution in tools more than a revolution in style. Like I had the Cintiq and I have, you know, Photoshop and I can do things with color that I wouldn't have been able to do 20 years ago. Yeah. I'm looking at but, your stuff when you separate the colors and the flats and stuff. James Jean does the same right. technique, which is really interesting. We should talk about that later too. That guy's nuts too. Fuck no, everyone's amazing. <laughs> it is. And yeah, to bring that up too, I think back when maybe my brother was younger or my mom was younger or something, uh, when Mobius was just savaging through the world. Um, but then you only have that one really big publication. You see that kind of work and you're growing up with these American stuff. It's almost like the first time I saw Akira or something or Ghost in the yep. Shell, I was like, uh, what? <laughs> right, right. And we don't get to have those, uh, what moments anymore because there's nothing's a surprise. There are no more po- cultural pockets left to be unearthed. This or is, maybe there are, I don't know. How, how old are you actually, if you don't mind me asking? I just turned 40. Just turned 40? Okay, I'm 32, so we're eight years difference. Andrew is very young and we have this conversation about this stuff a lot. Like he's a huge fan of Lord of the Rings and which is great. It's really awesome, but he's never read the Hobbit. And for me, I'm like, what the fuck? Like you got to read the Hobbit. (laughs) I'm actually, I was, I was running a little late to the podcast because I'm reading it to my daughter right now, which is great fun. I'm really loving it because I was, she's 10 years old now and I was 10 when I read it to myself basically. So it's a lot of fun. But Andrew, what do you think about this kind of stuff? Because this is really an interesting conversation and something that people my age or a little bit older, um, we bring this up a lot and I don't know if it's because we're getting old or older or we're just, uh, viewing the world in a different light. So what do you think, Andrew? Do you think there's new stuff or are we just repeating ourselves and constantly trying to, I mean, I am probably less capable of speaking to what's original than you guys are because you guys have been around longer and know what's original and what's not. But I mean, like in my eyes, I don't think that like I don't have an issue with the state of originality today, really. No, it doesn't like I mean, you if something's just like a remix of a remix of a remix. Of a I remix. I recognize that things are like uh, like when you get five Transformer movies that are all like doing the same thing. <laughs> sure, that's like I mean that can get kind of grating, I guess. But everything has always been a remix. I think. Well, you you would think that, but. And maybe, well, like, let's say like Star Wars, for example, let's use Star Wars is a great example because it came along and kind of just shook everything up a bit. But Star Wars is actually a culmination of many things that George grew up with, which is like mm-hmm. um, radio sagas and all these kind of things. And even the way that this, the type scrolls on in the intro is, is kind of um, Flash Gordon, I think was. Yeah, the same thing. that was one of the inspirations. So. You know, he's kind of a culmination. I think what really made that a dawn of an era a change is is what Nate's talking about. Like he had the technology to try new things. Mm-hmm. So his originality didn't wasn't necessarily everything was original. He was basically using um what's that guy's name? Uh the story guy, uh Robert McKee's 
whole thing, you know, um, and through making something new out of the culmination of using technologies and fusing that. But this is a fascinating subject and I love talking about it because it's totally worthy of talking about it. Cause I look back and I go, everything's just being a remix and it's kind of like a weird, it's a weird thing. Everything's going so fast. And like, I think it's, it's like more matter that like we are able to know what the source material is now like 50 years ago it's so much harder to find all the original things that like inspired certain things but today you just go on the internet and look up on wikipedia and says oh it's inspired by this and this and this and then you're like oh that sucks it's not even original (laughs) do you think that it's uh, can you talk in that voice for the rest of the podcast yeah Yeah, do it (laughs) i'll try (laughs) Well, Andrew and I have like long debates about all this kind of stuff. And it was really great though, is, uh, I get a really interesting perspective through his eyes because he's very, he's, you're what, 23 now, right? You just turned 23. Yeah. So he's like a baby and not like I'm old or anything, but it's, it's, it's a decade is a big chunk, you know? And when I see, uh, just the, the way art is now and, and everything and the comics and the speed of things and Tumblr and Instagram and stuff, it's, it's trippy, man. It's crazy. It's, it's really hard to grasp and bring it all in and, and, and enjoy it all. Um, well, I mean, you know, Andrew made a really interesting point, though, that everything's a remix of a remix of a remix. But um, I think the big difference was e- e- the thing that you brought up Star Wars. I think the thing that made Star Wars resonate was that they were pulling from these relatively obscure international influences yes. that not everybody had seen Kurosawa mm. or whatever Joseph Conrad or what, whatever that whatever he was pulling from great point. Um, but yeah exactly like what you said Andrew is now there are no hidden pockets and there are no like sort of isolated populations of ideas that can germinate autonomously and then kind of get discovered there's mm. none of that anymore what's left to discover I mean I'm sort of looping back on myself but I kind of feel like we need Elon Musk to, to to get us onto some other planets so that we can we can start to diversify again. Really, like yeah. some cool art is going to get made on Mars, guys, and it's going to be different. Hopefully, it'll be kind of different from the art we're making here on Earth. That's and, a funny. And then we point. can rediscover it again in a couple hundred years. <laughs> you know, it's funny you brought up that too. And we talk about all these um, ideas and creations. I mean, Frank Miller is a great example too of an artist who was really into the French scene and also uh, acknowledged the Japanese scene and merged that and put that into his work and brought that to the American audience because he had an audience that was hungry for something unique and new. Right. And, uh, you know, history re- repeats itself, uh, especially in the human, in our human culture is it's constantly repeating itself. It rarely, rarely does it change and swing dramatically. Um, and so all you got to do really, I think at times is ob- objectively look at the past and see the patterns and you can see what's going to come about next with a slight change. But it is a true, yeah. it's a good point because I think everything's exposed underneath the microscope and we're all able to see all the information. And you, you brought up a good point about being a hermit. I think there's a lot of musicians that actually did that. Um, and it actually kind of helped their music in a weird way, made it very genuine, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, I kind of feel like maybe it's a good idea just to be... There are oases in the desert and you can hang out at the oasis and be around all the other cool stuff. And then, but I think it's important to kind of strike out into the desert on your own every once in a while too. And I don't know if that's something that you consciously need to do or if life just needs to kind of drive you in that direction. 
because we talk about like the lack of diversity or whatever, which is probably kind of bullshit. Uh, there's an immense amount of diversity, but let's just say for a second that that's our operating premise here. Sure. Um, then I, I, want, I, I would think that if everyone's moving in the same direction because of this global internet monoculture, then it should actually be easier to do something original because everyone's he- everyone's in one big school of fish now. So just stop for a second and look the opposite direction and see what's not being done. I don't know. Maybe yeah. that's all it takes. Yeah, it's a possibility. You know, I think that I think one of the things that is really important for all creatives in general is to make sure that you're aware of what it is that you're doing. Um, at least think about it and the effects of what you're doing, even if it's on the simplest of facts, you know, like, well, I'm just happy and having fun and I'm enjoying drawing this skull over and over and a hundred million times. Like being aware of that for your own sanity, you know, but at the same time, I think I feel like sometimes too, I see the actions of artists out there and it drives me nuts because sometimes I go like, do you not know that you're doing the same fucking shit every time? Like, come on, you know, like you're not a robot, like, come on, you know, but I think a lot of it, um, art is, is about exposing true nature within yourself. Sometimes, you know, it can be a path to your own, uh, salvation or your sanity, you know? Um, but it's really fucking crazy. It's just weird. This, these are the thoughts that run through my mind because there's no answers for them. And so I'm like, Hey, do you have the answers, Nate? Tell me the answers. (laughs) I do. I'm so glad we finally got to chat. You're about to (laughs) find out the truth. Are you guys ready? Just pour it on me like gravy. Best artist of all time. The only one who counts at all. The only (laughs) artist who counts, um, is Henry Darger. No, I, I, I don't know. I have no idea. I'm messing around. Um, there are Henry Henry Darger is have you ever talked about Henry Darger before I have heard the name let me look isn't he like a he was like a I remember somebody did talk about him on the podcast once I don't remember what he was though like (laughs) he was an outsider artist in in Chicago he's kind of interesting oh is he the janitor guy monoculture argument yeah he's the janitor guy oh okay yeah yeah I don't know I I think he's totally rad but he but also maybe uh problematic on some other levels it's almost uh, like, if you ever see a dodge it's almost like he's a, in, he, in real life they're pretty amazing i have to check this out i'll look into it more it's almost like um we had andrew and i were talking about this because I, I really enjoyed the movie uh um uh freaking what's that one with the kid that's 10 years i'm drawing a blank boyhood boyhood yeah and and it's almost like the the spectacle of how they created it over 10 years um makes it something of of a uniqueness and I feel like it's almost the same thing that I've heard from the Henry guy, which is his um, rebellious nature of like separating, I guess, from the sanity of the world around him, I guess. I, I have to look into it, obviously, more. I'm kind of reaching from my memory of what I remember listening to. But sometimes it's almost uh, it's not the object that we're attracted to, but it's the path of the object, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of artists have figured out that too. Sometimes I call that the long con. <laughs> it depends on what the artist is doing, obviously, too, you know. So people scoff at me and they get pissed at me when I say like uh like Warhol was like a really great con man, you know, like I don't know. It's like that's my opinion. So but you know that's another cra- crazy thing about art is it's so subjective, you know? And what is art and what is um the balance of these worlds and these things, you know? Well, well, so I actually have a question about that. And maybe you guys would probably be better positioned than anybody to answer this question. 
um, there seems to be a huge disconnect between like I, I hang out with artists all the time. Uh, most of them make comics and video games and some of them work in film. But it's I guess what you would call like commercial pop art. I don't is Is my comic commercial? I don't know. It feels very personal to me, but I do sell it for money. So I don't know. I guess it's what sell out. Jesus. <laughs> what are you trying to know. pay bills and keep your wife happy? <laughs> Hey, Weak. how am I going to wear them? I need money hats. You need to buy so, those Jodorowsky or those. You need to buy those Mobius comics, man. You got to buy them. You get that Mobius comic money. No, sorry. You, <laughs> I don't have that kind of money. It'll be a while. <laughs> no, you're um, saying sorry. Uh, I don't know. I've totally forgotten what I was talking about. Was I talking about? Oh, I was asking, asking you a question. Um, so it feels like, so I went to art school. Uh, and art was a certain thing. We were we were looking at painters, and we were uh, learning about working in series. And you needed to have a body of work, and it needed to be internally consistent. And it was all better if you did it bigger, basically. And there were all these kind of rules that are kind of descended from whatever, like the impressionists and the abstract expressionists, and whatever came after that. Like there's that whole lineage, and you're part of that lineage, and you're advancing the avant-garde and all that stuff, right? Mm. It feels completely separate, completely separate from art as I experience it now. I, I, oh, yeah. I don't hear anyone, I don't hear anyone talk about paintings. I don't hear anyone <laughs> talking about, you know, Jackson Pollock or the relevance of Andy Warhol. Like I found it jarring that you brought up Andy Warhol. And then I was like, wait a second, we're, we're artists talking about art. Why is that jarring? <laughs> um, yeah. And, and I don't know, like <laughs> I, I'm definitely on the, on whatever the other side of the fence from wherever I was standing during art school. And I know there's a lot of cynicism on our side of the fence about what seems like a lot of sort of con jobs going on. It really, really fine art seems to have become a way of separating rich people from their money. Um, <laughs> or, or, or no, yeah. that's maybe it's not even that it's, it's a way of providing rich people with shelters for their money. It's, yes. it's, it's mm. we're, we're building it's this currency. narrative that yeah. makes, yeah, exactly. It, it is exactly that. It's a, yeah. it's a, a currency that holds its value and appreciates. Um, it's a weird, I shot. don't know. It's because yeah, weird, it be, I think that like we talk about that, I think it's, um, th- there's some amazing ideas, amazing artists. When you really get into that stuff and you understand, it's almost like I said, it's not the object. Cause when, you know, comic guys, we're in, in movie guys, we're into the, we're into the object, you know, like, we want to see the Millennium Falcon. We don't want to hear exactly. about what your childhood was about and then see two <laughs> tin cans in a white room and you and you make a fart and you're like, you know, support my living for three years so I can go string coffee in France. But no, fuck off. Like, I'm not, I'm not subscribing, subscribing to that stuff. But that's because I see through it in a different light because that's we're I think we're more defined as draft draftsmen. You know, the difference is significant when you consider draftsmen, which is making something from your mind, which is tangible to understand from others, you know, so the different thing. But when you talk about fine art and absolutely it's a mechanism for um, people with wealth who have enough, have too many Bugatti Veyrons and, you know, (laughs) for for and shit. And they're like, you know what? Like, 
I need to spend some weird money on some guy who throws paint around and, you know, farts in a corner with cans. I, I'm I, This guy that farts in the corner <laughs> with cans is fucking rich. I, I think you may have just invented a new kind of fine art that you may oh, want to go ahead and capitalize on. Andrew, cut this part of the podcast out. I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm giving up on drawing. I'm going to fart in the corner with cans and I'm going to go to the MoMA. <laughs> so are you farting in the cans is that how does this i can't work? tell you anymore are they resealable i can't are they tell resealable? you <laughs> is the fart stored in some way or does the fart just wisp out of the can you're and trying is to that ruin a, you're trying to devalue the 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 craft oh, man a, you're trying like to like de- a mandala it's like a mandala it's a performance piece it's transitory <laughs> it speaks to the transitoriness of life it's That's beautiful the- i'm crying right now guys there's tears <laughs> I want evidence of this. Put it on a piece of paper and mail it to me, and that'll be part of the installation. I'll fart on a piece of paper and mail it to you, too. <laughs> oh, this is getting better by the minute. No, that's the beauty of this thing, too. And that's what's really, you know, I don't blame. It's funny when I hear people that go, oh, fucking art's gay, or like, oh, that's just fucking <laughs> art. people that do art are fags, you know. I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to argue with this because. Uh, people have betrayed your trust and I don't blame you. So, <laughs> and it becomes this kind of interesting. Um, I, I just, you know, it's, it's funny when I hear comments like that, it's, it's getting rarer. It's funny too. The concept of nerd, the word nerd, it's become like this popular yeah. thing. Interesting. You know, when I was growing up, you oh. said you're a nerd, you get your fucking face punched in. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, no. Oh my God. If I had been born uh, 15 years later, Oh, <laughs> Oh, I can't, I would have been, I would have been, I would have been the big man on campus. I would have been king of the school because I am a major nerd, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's romanticized now. It's interesting. Uh, it just goes to show how things work in balances, you know, because it's the nerd thing's going to last for a little bit and then it's going to go away and then the jock thing's going to come up and, but what does that say about our experience here? You know, the longer, the more years we put in and observe the world around us, does it mean that it repeats itself or is there a different streams of consciousness that do so? And if you're paying attention to the right stream, I watched this really fascinating documentary or kind of like a documentary on DMT. It's on Netflix called DMT, the spirit molecule. Joe Rogan's really into this shit. Are you into this stuff? Uh, I've never heard of it. It's a, it's a, it's a form of a psychedelic, um, I guess we'd call it a drug, I guess. Um, it's like a type of enzyme or something. I can't remember. They're talking about all kinds of chemistry, but basically what it does is it activates, um, I'm going to totally fuck this up, but it activates this gland in your brain called the pineal gland. Are you, are you familiar, familiar with that? I know that that gland exists. That's okay. all I know about it. It's pretty crazy. It's like the God gland and it's been around for such a long time. For me, it's fucking fascinating because I love sacred geo and all this kind of stuff and it all kind of ties together. But when, um, I forgot what I was going with this. Um, but it's just, it, this thing was a really interesting, um, show and fascinating about, um, talking about different planes of reality basically and you take this thing called dmt and it's it, it actually lasts like 10 minutes i guess the trip lasts andrew does it every morning with boris coffee <laughs> but it feels like you've does gone he, through thousands of years or something. for 10 minutes after <laughs> <laughs> that's fun yeah i have to remind him that he has to come down to our plane of reality and that voice is not accepted and you know dmt is bad and 
we have many talks about it now. <laughs> it's really, it's really interesting. Just talking about different planes of reality and stuff. It's just really fascinating. Um, it seems like you're playing with those different planes of reality within your world, right? Ooh, good callback. Way to Ooh. tie it all back. To- <laughs> I like those skills, dude. Ooh. I've done a hundred and something interviews now, so I must get a little bit better trying to. <laughs> um, yeah, sure. You know, it, but I, I have very, very limited experience with, with drugs of any kind. Uh, and, and looking at the way like Mobius's artwork had this efflorescence after he started doing LSD. Isn't it tempting? Yeah, I, I, I'm keeping it in my back pocket. I think when, when I really get in a rut and it's time for me to branch out, I'll just let my freak flag fly and I'll just go, go whole hog. What's the resistance against doing, uh, trying. And I wouldn't know if I would even consider that a drug to be completely honest. I think it's, uh, you know how people go like, weed's not a drug, it's a plant and blah, blah. Like it's kind of in that same, it's kind of in that same. I think of weed as a drug too. I think we might be on on different points on the spectrum. You know, the answer in my case is very simple. Uh, I was raised by hippies and, uh, (laughs) when I was very young, my dad said, um, absolutely you should smoke pot but the first time you do it i want to, i want you to do it with me oh that's and cool. that guaranteed that i would never smoke pot <laughs> that's so smart <laughs> that's so cool i i actually yeah. my, my i i my family or not my family i have close relatives uh smoked weed the entire time of my childhood and i was like petrified from it myself too i was like uh this fucking sucks like you guys suck <laughs> you guys don't you guys haven't done anything it's like really annoying me and um it's very judgmental and very insecure of it and I, I it took me all the way until i was 30 until i tried it for the first time and i was like well this wasn't even anything i didn't even get high it was like the made no sense didn't even had nothing nothing happened to me but what did happen to me is there was this, a complete release of fear that happened because mm-hmm. a lot of the times I was so afraid that this thing had this power when I, when I discovered it and opened up that door and let go of that kind of construct of what I thought was going to mm-hmm. be, it, um, completely disappeared basically. And so I stepped into the next realm of, I, I can cer- consider that my next realm of like, um, maturity, I guess, if that makes sense, you know, wow. and embracing something different and trying something different in the form of, um, not going like, you know, fuck you, mom, go smoke weed. Like it wasn't like, I'm an, I'm an adult. I'm a, I'm completely maintain a normal lifestyle. And, um, it was like, who cares? It's not even a big deal, you know? And so it was interesting. I, I strongly urge people that if you ever do try anything like that, you should be, it's almost like a roller coaster, right? they don't throw little kids on the there because you're not ready for it. You have to be a certain height. And I think the height for me is, is age and maturity. And then you should try it out because you're ready for it. Um, but you know, that's my own opinion. So we definitely, my, my wife and I were just sort of tiptoeing into those waters when, uh, when our son was conceived, it was literally like the week before we went out camping with friends and, you know, tried smoking pot and it had no effect on us. And we're like, well, we'll try it again next time we go out. And (laughs) then she was pregnant and that was like, well, we're done. (laughs) It's weird how that happens. uh, Isn't that really weird that the first time you do it, it's a very common trait that the first time you smoke weed is it's nothing happens. And the second time you get blasted to the moon, if you get the right one, (laughs) But it's almost well, debilitating, though. And there's always different things, you know. Uh, it reacts chemically different to everybody and, how you know, what you've eaten and 
all that kind of stuff, you know. Um, it's well, not I'm always cracked right up in you, though. Yeah, you are. You're up there. They love it. And they got the patchouli out there and just rubbing it on their faces and just <laughs> drawing comics. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure you understand the Seattle comics theme, but I liked your idea of it. Maybe more than the reality. <laughs> just wait, you guys don't go and like rub just patchouli make, on each other? Make it just... <laughs> Oh, pass me that Mobius page, bro. <laughs> oh, God. So you need to go a little farther north for that. That's the the guys up in Vancouver. They're the, they're like that. We're oh, I got to go up there. I got to. I think I'm going to go up there soon. But I don't know. I'm just talking. This. I, I think it's. I find it fascinating. I, I have the same kind of thing um, that you're talking about, though, too, in regards to um, the power of what the curiosity, you know, and observing masters like Mobius or even Steve Jobs or. I'm pretty sure Otomo must have, even though that's probably super gnarly, like anti-Japanese culture. I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> sure he has. I mean, there's this one thing that I've always read in all his interviews. He, they said he once went to a Bob Marley concert and it changed his life. So maybe he smoked like one yeah. joint and he was like, oh, I gotta make a cure. It's like, oh, God damn it. Like if he didn't smoke that one joint at a Bob Marley concert, we would probably wouldn't have got one of the best pieces of like art in, in this <laughs> i'm serious i have these theories and 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 i would if i ever get to meet him i would love to ask him that question perhaps he'd beat me to it and just pull out a joint and blow smoke in my face or something but <laughs> we when we were in japan we uh heard that he like just cruises around has his slippers on just like <laughs> he's like a, just a casual dude walking through i mean what do you expect right he's not gonna be like willy wonka you know with, with kira shirts and shit and riding the kira- <laughs> kind of his bike around but um i just thought that was pretty cool in- interesting to hear that from the locals in japan and i was like uh i was andrew i was so hoping that we would just kind of randomly i'd be grabbing some weird um teriyaki flavored doritos in the convenience store <laughs> and like walk into otomo right <laughs> i'd probably kiss him i don't know this podcast is totally fucked up i'm sorry these are the late podcasts are totally fucked up and the morning ones are horrible too i I gotta stop doing this because i'm just late past nate's bedtime right now it is all right nate we have no idea how far it is but uh, don't worry about it it's good i'm having fun don't you have to wake up in like five hours um well i don't have to do anything because i'm my own boss but yeah i usually get up around Uh four is it for you get up at four yeah, I usually get, well, for a while I was getting up at 3.30, but uh, yeah, four usually to, for personal projects are kind of four to seven-ish in the morning. And then, what? Then my kid wakes up and <clears throat> I feed him breakfast and then off to day job. How old's your boy? Just turned two. Two? Damn, got a new yeah. baby. He's a yeah, young so man. not sleeping a whole lot even if I were waking up later, give me your schedule or not your schedule, but your breakdown on your day. Cause that sounds ridiculous. I'm curious to see your fucking madman. Um, so it's not super sustainable. Uh, I, I definitely, <laughs> you have crashing kind of moments. Went, oh yes, absolutely. And, and it's, I'm pretty caffeine dependent. Oh, uh, you're yeah, a druggy dude. You're a drug. Yeah, exactly. See, your auto smoke weed. getting all high and mighty. <laughs> weed's oh, gay. Talk of the Andrew voice. But Starbucks <laughs> slapping your wrist and beer, yeah, beer, hard alcohol. I drink the coffee to stay awake, and I drink the be- brews to go to sleep. 
Oh, I do not need help. Going America. To sleep, trust me. Oh, okay. Sorry. I'm totally <laughs> fucking with you and your schedule, but yeah, <laughs> break down an average day in the life of Nate. Um, well, uh, yeah, for the last couple of years, it's been a pretty consistent up between three 30 and four work on non-player till, uh, till everyone else in the house wakes up, which is around seven. Yeah. Right. I feed, feed my boy. Um, and then I, I ride a bike to work, so I'll, I'll ride, uh, ride for about an hour to my office and oh, that's uh, nice. just have a nine to five over in Bellevue. What are you doing there? And then, uh, <clears throat> I work at a video game company called Uber entertainment. Uber. Um, we make video games. Uh, um, <clears throat> we got cool stuff coming. Watch this space. Um, <laughs> and, a little shout and, out. Uh, it's yeah. cool. <laughs> then I ride. I ride home. Takes another hour. So I get home around uh, six. Yeah, well, kind of more like seven. Oh, you ride in the night um, like a yeah, beast. We work around six. Yeah, well, especially up this far north. That the, in, in winter, the sun goes down pretty early. Uh, so yeah, riding at night, uh, and then dinner with the, my wife and my kid, and and read a bedtime story, and you know maybe if i'm lucky watch tv for half an hour after ian goes to bed with my wife and then uh that's it back to sleep and that's when i do podcasts (laughs) (laughs) and now i feel like a guilty (laughs) asshole for keeping you up you want to set this up for a different time or are you going to be okay no i'm good i'm i'm doing great okay cool well i'll 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 cap it at like 11 45 max okay so you can get to your work (laughs) one thing i think is funny a lot about people um it's interesting, especially with fans and their relations. We should talk about that as well as some people are like, finally, you guy, like, where, where's that art been, man? Like, you know, like, well, <laughs> there's this thing called money, right? And then there's this thing called family and you got to do all these things to maintain them. And you got to wake up at three or four in the morning. It's called discipline. And you know, got to stop working around seven because I have a baby and like <laughs> reality. Look that shit up, bitch. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, and it's, 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 a, it's really hard to balance it. So it's really interesting to hear. Um, it just goes to show how serious you are about taking on this kind of adventure because it is a complete dedication, right? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not for the money, obviously. Um, <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't, I mean, you know, I, I, the more comics that sell, the better. And, and, uh, you know, I, I've paid for a new roof on my house and, uh, with, with non-player and that's awesome. That's cool. But, uh, comic, roof <clears> but money. yeah, I mean, a comic roof money, baby. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, you have a crib not... at your house. Yeah. This was fucking comic money. Y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want to see an MTV cribs about my house. Like, all the stuff I bought with my, my comic Benjamins. Um, no, I mean, you're, 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 if if we break it down in terms of how much I'm making per hour of work on this comic, it's probably comically low, but, uh, like, uh, you know, in the pennies, are you in the, are you the sub dollar range? Uh, oh, but I, I actually haven't done the math because I'm sure it would depress, depress me you. horribly. <laughs> um, so, so why? Why? Because I have the same fucking problem. Why? Do you think that someday that it will? And is it, are those the intentions or is it that you just love it too much to not do it? There are two answers. Let's hear them. One of them's more honest than the other one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'll give the less honest answer, which is that it is absolutely a pleasure to do. 
Um, and and that, that, would, that would completely be true if I were working on it during the day instead of a day job. Sure. Uh, but, but because it's depriving me of like real kind of important sleep hours, it's kind of a grind sometimes. Yeah. Um, and so, so I look at that sort of as a, if I'm being honest, I'm looking at it as a set of temporary sacrifices that I'm making to be able to advance to a point where I do get to work on it during the day and I get to fully enjoy it. And it goes a lot faster if I'm working on it during the day as well. <clears throat> but, of course you know, it does. we haven't, we haven't achieed that yet. Unfortunately. Sick days. So. Yeah. Sick days. <laughs> sick Sorry, Uber. Right, sick uh, I'm sick. <laughs> but I think a whole year, I'm so sick this year. I'm going to see you guys in 2016. Um, <laughs> totally. This is worth one it. of those eight month colds guys. It's I can bird feel flu, it. <laughs> SARS. I don't know. You just don't want me in their office. Uh, you're Dude, all, it's you're... bird SARS. It's bird, bird SARS. Have you ever had bird SARS? <laughs> Sucks. <laughs> it's too much Skyrim, dude. It's too much Skyrim. The controller gave me bird scars. Or whatever. <laughs> bird SARS. See, bird this, is a late, this is a late night podcast and you're delirious too because you don't sleep much. So we're oh, on the totally. same path because you're getting like four to five hours of sleep a night. Yeah, about? I'm cruising at about five. That's not good. It's not good. It's not. So, it's not sustainable. But I mean, that's the idea, the idea is not sleep that, on the that I will do this for the rest. Sure. So, oh yeah, I do, do sleep a little more on the weekends. Do you? Um, have but a, also, it's, it's not supposed to be like this forever. Sure. I'm just doing this till. I mean, especially just just scooting non-player two across the finish line was kind of a mini goalpost. And there was there were all these hopes that well, who knows what could happen if the second issue drops? Maybe something thing shakes loose maybe somehow this turns into something that theoretically pays the bills there's always we can talk about hollywood being the kind of ultimate deus ex machina for all comic artists um and and, and <laughs> what the potential is there yeah um but i i so i mean that actually speaks to the more honest or, or another honest answer to your question of why i'm doing it which is i am an american and i am male and I'm, you know, I think there's something deep in our programming uh, that 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 kind of entices us to go after that difficult to catch fish that's way out in the ocean. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, yeah. At the risk. Uh, so I, I read somewhere. I wish I could remember where I read this, that there's some tribe on an island. This is going to be so I'm, this is going to be so vaguely remembered. But well, there's a tribe on an island and the men go out onto these reefs. And they stand out there for weeks in the hopes of catching these very rare, very large fish. And the women end up hanging back and like gathering more kind of berries and nuts and stuff to keep everybody alive (laughs) while the men are out gambling with everybody's livelihoods. And and the reason the men are doing it is because they want to, you know, come marching triumphantly back into the village with a big fat fish over their shoulder and everyone's cheering for them. Yeah. And I'm like, that that's the reason why every dude I know (laughs) is dreaming about quitting his job and doing his big special personal project. Hmm. And every one of them thinks that it's going to break big somehow. Even the ones who won't admit it. I feel like we've all got that Horatio Alger. I don't, am I saying that right? Alger, Alger thing where like we all believe we're rich people waiting to happen we're americans <laughs> and every american is a millionaire who just hasn't made it yet 
when you see guys and like that do it, you're like, what? Well, maybe. I know that makes it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the guy got that right. fish that, you know, remember last year, that fucking Tom he got that crazy ass fish. <laughs> exactly. And, and all the chicks exactly. loved him. And he's married to the hottest chick in the tribe. I don't know, man. It's, <laughs> I, stay back and gather berries. Uh, I'm going to go <laughs> with the group, the guys and sit out there on the reef. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So Tempting. here you and I and, and Andrew were all out on the reef. And we're all waiting for that big fish to come. And, and I want to come across as a humble guy. Mm. And I want people to think, you know, I'm not an idiot and I'm not a gambler. <laughs> uh, and, and that I'm doing non-player for the purest of reasons. And a part of me is. I love doing non-player. But there's also another part of me that's like, well, what what would ha- what happens if the phone rings tomorrow and Steven Spielberg is like, bro, we're making a non-player movie. <laughs> I'm not going to say no. You say bro, too. <laughs> I'd be all right, bro. Let's go be bros. <laughs> Spielberg bros. <laughs> Spielberg Regular show voice. What's up? <laughs> Perfect. Oh, yeah. That's Does a, that make any sense? Oh, it makes a hundred per ten percent. And I really appreciate you being real about it because it drives me nuts when people don't acknowledge that shit. Because it's fucking ego-based. It is. And it's like pissing on... It's like graffiti. It's anything. It's like, I'm going to piss... Like, I want, when I watch my dog and he's like, oh, yeah? He walks up to a pole and he goes, oh, yeah? You think you peed on this pole? No, I'm peeing on this pole. <laughs> it's the same shit, man. It's like, we're designed like that. I think it's it's combination of that, but at the same time, the desire to be understood. The yeah, desire absolutely. to to pay homage, I think. A lot of times for me, it's like these things that I grew up with. And like you said it perfectly, we grew up with these things. And for me, it's like, I don't see it anymore. And I love it so much. It's almost like a love note to my childhood. That's what lost boy is really and deeply inside for me because I'm creating a comic and a book and a whole madness slew of, I've got the giant fish basically. I'm on, on that reef. Just fucking come here fishes <laughs> shooting them with shotguns, <laughs> pissing on them. I don't care. <laughs> throwing him around andrew's eating chipotle out there (laughs) throwing fish at his chipotle ball (laughs) that metaphor is so sick (laughs) i don't know i don't know (laughs) what's going on well what you're talking about but it's rad (laughs) well you're not familiar with the chipotle thing oh my god we have chipotle but, oh, 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 he worked on Chipotle. No, Someone he is a Chipotle. I hate It's like every time that I'm ever like uh, speaking in public, I always talk about Chipotle. <laughs> yeah, every time we do a podcast, I ask so if he's if Andrew's on the podcast, I'll ask the guest if they like Chipotle, and then I usually try to have him explain to them what the hell that he's doing right now with his life. Because it's yeah. awesome. All right. Yeah. Basically, long story short is just go to chipotlelife.com. No, you got to explain it. Explain no, it a little bit to Nate. Leave the, let All the right, intrigue I'll sink I'll in. I'll do it. I'll do it. Chipotlelife. Okay. Yeah. Go there now. Yeah. You can see. How many days are you on now, you freak? Uh, today oh was day oh 90. <laughs> 90 days. Uh, so why are you doing this? Wait, why are you doing he's this? He's 23 years old. He's got a 23 year old body. Um, I don't know why I'm doing it really. Just for he, fun, I guess. He also has a free year's worth of undies. So <laughs> I wish. Because <laughs> he throws well, them away. I mean, Chipo- 
Chipotle is not it, it's not too hard in you, right? It's not as no. I, Wait, you guys I would argue that it's it's actually really healthy for you. But you don't poop blood after Chipotle. No. I oh. got I I got a, uh, a yeah, blood, blood test. test. Yeah, and like I actually lowered my cholesterol. <laughs> that so makes sense. Explain your it looks like you're just though. eating a salad every day. Yeah, it's like a chicken salad basically with guacamole. All right, that's great. <laughs> don't support you. him, you. <laughs> I'm sorry. What you're doing? Finally, is somebody understands me. <laughs> Nate's your new fan. He's got you got number one fan right here. No, dude, didn't somebody buy you Chipotle when you were there? They saw uh, your shit on the line. The They're like manager, like Chipotle man, me because I was wearing a Chipotle hat. Mm. And <laughs> one of the one of the other workers had like he was he knew what I was doing from like probably twenty or thirty days in at the Chipotle that I go to regularly. And uh, he had told him because, like, he had found the blog on Reddit. Oh, my God. And then he told his manager, and then his manager recognized me because I had the hat on. And who else would wear a Chipotle hat in the Chipotle? <laughs> and uh, he was like, this one's on us, dude. Like With a wink? Did he wow. give you a wink? That's pretty <laughs> I, fucking awesome, though. Yeah, dude. I mean, it was sick. You know, you go and you go to a company and you spend $800 on burritos and you get one free. It's just like, you know, they dedication. sent me a lot of stuff like they mm. they talk to me on Twitter and shit like <laughs> they're we're hey, Andrew, are, are, is this making you famous? Is this viral? I don't know. <laughs> a little bit. Well, I guess. How many how many hits did the, did the the Reddit link have? Did you do you remember? Uh, I can check. I think it was like 60, which isn't much. 60 upvotes or. Yeah, sorry. Just sixty. Yeah. Where, where would I look for this on on Reddit? See, Chipotle du- dude. <laughs> Chipotle life, Andrew. Yeah, bloody undies. Hashtag that. bloody undies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Sort by is this? This is would be pretty recent. I think it was. It was the this top the link on there for a while. <laughs> well, so what did they, what did they say? It said, "Man eats Chipotle every day and doesn't bleed." Yeah, well, I submitted it. Like when I made the site, <laughs> I posted it. it. That's awesome. And uh, it was just like I've eaten Chipotle for seventy-eight days in a row, and I don't plan on stopping. <laughs> yeah. Super light. So if, if I if I type Chipotle seventy-eight, will that get me there? Are you um, sure it was seventy-eight days? Yeah, I'm looking at it now. I sent it yeah, in the. I stuff. got it. I found it. Yeah, <laughs> sixty-one upvotes. That is not nothing. Wow. <laughs> That's my claim to fame. Oh, well, see, so this is your reef. This is your big fish. This is. He, it's so. It's yeah. He's eating. He's eating food. It's awesome. <laughs> this is my reef. Wow. I remember when he was like, he's like, dude, I'm busy making my Chipotle Life website. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Andrew, we need to talk about some serious shit here, dude. <laughs> but each man has his own reef, I guess, and woman, whatever. <laughs> you know, we all have our reefs, you know, and, and Andrew's just happens to be covered in tinfoil. <laughs> <laughs> I love these, these, these Reddit comments. <laughs> Hilarious. What are they saying? One of those like, I bet homeboy is rocking some serious poops <laughs> <laughs> south park totally fucking can you imagine owning that and you're like oh no south park made oh no oh no oh no because once those guys lock on to you you're fucked yeah you're fucked for yeah. you're like you're fucked for at least five to ten years you know no dude come on everybody has been affected by that south park episode it probably made them more popular no um, what i mean is is your date you're, you're stamped by south parks fun oh, humor, oh yeah yeah you know it's there it's not leaving 
it's relevant. You know, South Park is that dom like they dominate society on a lot of these funny things. But yeah, so there you go. That's his reef. He's fucking yeah. Chipotle. Proud of life. This is great. <laughs> Thank you. Don't support him, damn you. <laughs> so I, I think you know, seriously, Andrew, will you send me an email after this interview and just remind me to sneak some sort of Chipotle life reference into non-player? <laughs> Yeah. I, oh my God. There's so much like there's so much like wall space and graffiti and stuff. I have so many opportunities to just sort of wedge in little in jokes with my friends. That would be um, amazing. I, I, I totally there's got to be some Chipotle life in there. Oh my God. <laughs> oh cool. Jesus. That's this so is cool. it, Ash. This is this is my rise to <laughs> stardom. <laughs> I swear. He's. I told him the the best part of this is he should do it for at least a year or whatever. And then right after he should he should post all his bloody undies. So it's one big installation joke. You're like, ah, I had you fooled the whole time. I'm I'm secretly dying, and tomorrow I'm I think I, I got to go to the doctor. <laughs> and then then I'll make it even better. It's almost like an episode of Black Mirror or something. Uh, yeah, exactly. So good. Do you watch Black Mirror? Are you familiar with the show? I am, and I just saw the episode uh, with all the people riding the stationary bikes. Do you know oh, the yeah, episode yeah. I'm oh, talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah the 100,000 merits or 10,000 merits or something like that. Yes, that was amazing. Pretty relevant. I, <laughs> pretty relevant. It, it. I was halfway through before I realized it wasn't a dramatization. It's literally like our lives. <laughs> that's, that's when you know sci-fi is really hitting home is when it just changes things a tiny bit so yes. that it feels alien. Then you realize, oh, you're totally talking about me right now. Yeah. Charlie, Charlie writes really good, relevant. It's twi- it's a contemporary Twilight Zone. I, I watched the Christmas episode with my wife the other night. Have you seen that one yet? What What is it about? Ooh, it's good, man. It's like the one after the second season. So if you're watching them in order, you probably won't get to it. It's like seventy minutes too. So it's it's almost the length of a of a film. It's a little. It's like a nice. So it's a film basically. It's fucking good, man. Ooh, it is good. I loved it. I I just love the ideas and the concepts of in the in the. It's like an Aesop fable of you know a possible route that we're taking if we don't fucking open up our minds and realize what we're doing, which is what we talked about earlier in the conversation about nostalgia and all these different things. The hive mind, what's original? Is there originality? Um, You talk about you know, is it better to be designed by living the hermit lifestyle? Um, is over, you know, that's one of my favorite quotes from Ghost in the Shell is, um, in relevance to this conversation is when you over specialize, you breed in weakness. And I feel like a lot of these things, we might think that it's helping us, but in fact, it's almost like a, it's like a funny joke, a disguise almost, you know? Sure. Yeah. Super fucked. I'm wondering if we take DMT, then maybe (laughs) we will find out the answers to all my questions. If I take it and if I find that if I find the answers to my questions and that shit, I'm going to tell everybody. I'm going to scream it from the hills. Take DMT, you fucking asshole cows and hurry up. <laughs> Shove it in your fucking body. People do that and they're like naked on the highway That's running me. around screaming that. It's going to be you. <laughs> it is me. me and Joe Rogan. And Joe Rogan's holding it together. He does the DMT thing quite a bit. He manages to do jujitsu and all that good stuff. So it works. Yeah. <laughs> uh, He's a successful guy. I think he was one of those people too that I was like, oh, I admire this guy because he's successful and he's figured out how to do it and he's found his reef basically. 
and he's mm-hmm. throwing fish around out there and i'm like well he's doing that dmt shit out there in that reef i'm like well maybe it's working it's working out for him he's catching all these super fishes out there with that dmt <laughs> yeah good old reef but i think to go back to the concept of having a life goal or sticking to a life goal and focusing on these things is really it's fascinating you know and the discipline it takes it's pretty crazy right yeah i mean you know the shawshank redemption is the metaphor that keeps coming to mind when i think about like you know just pressure and time just keep scraping it away at the wall the forward (laughs) progress may feel a little bit slow but sure there is another side to that wall. And if you, if you push at it long enough, you'll get through. But I, I've noticed recently that, that that metaphor assumes that life today sucks <laughs> and that yeah. life tomorrow will be gratifying and happy. Yes. And I, I feel like my perspective has changed a little bit since my son has been born because I more frequently have these sort of moments where I realize actually today is pretty darn rad already. Yeah, that's and, good. You know. And and that definitely kind of alters your reason for doing what you're doing too, because then you really are genuinely doing it just because you love doing it. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, it, it also you know I worry about the complacency that comes with getting older and getting comfortable in your skin, because that's that's like when all the former Beatles started to suck. Like when you get yeah. comfortable, you start to suck. Yes. So you, you got to keep your edge. And yeah, Spielberg's films went down once he became like a father and got comfortable, you know, like that. That's that's my own opinion. I still think he's a legend. I'm not trying to talk crap about him, but, you know, I'm you tell can, him you said that when he calls me and we're like, we're growing up, out. Bros. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah, Spielberg, bro. Hash is talking shit about you on that collective podcast. Like, what the fuck? Are you serious? And he'll know. He'll know who I'm talking about. Oh, too, yeah. He's a yeah. regular. <laughs> he is. He, he's sending me emails and shit all the time. Tell me what episode he liked more than the others and shit. And tell me, give me notes and shit on how to right. interview. More, talk more about DMT, please. Yeah, That's he is. He loves that shit. <laughs> I mean, come on. Jurassic Park. I mean, it's filled with it. It's one big DMT <laughs> metaphor. <laughs> oh boy. No, but I, you're, you're, these are really, you're, you're touching on amazing concepts because about, um, complacency and, 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 and finding the joys in life and being a father and finding a new father and finding these amazing joys that you didn't really discover prior and realizing like, well, you know what? My life's fucking pretty awesome now. I'm really happy. Everything's working. I have a job why the fuck am I staying up late and getting sleep deprived? And so what is, how are you refilling that gas tank? Like what, what is it? Are you constantly consuming, um, inspiration? Uh, does your day job feel you? Does it deplete you? I mean, how, how, how are you able to maintain this, um, momentum basically? Well, I don't, first of all, I don't know how sustainable it is. I I might (laughs) stall out tomorrow. How long have you been going at it? Um, well, I mean, I've been, I started the comic almost five years ago, uh, but, but I, this new sort of hardcore early in the morning schedule started maybe a couple years ago. Um, okay. Well, I I think it's sustainable. (laughs) Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm definitely paying a price. I suspect I'm aging more rapidly as a result of of this schedule. (laughs) Sleep is important. Um, sleep is important. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I, this is not what I want the rest of my life to be like. Yeah. Um, but I do, I, I, I have 
this comic is just like the world's hugest turd and it's like only <laughs> one fifth of the way out of my butt, you know, <laughs> oh and it's God. gotta, that's you the gotta best just, quote you, ever. <laughs> you can't, you can't really brothers, just man. Walk, you can't watch, walk it, you know, you can't walk it off. You got to get it out. So, <laughs> Oh, man. Or maybe I could sort of, I don't know. You could like, it would take a lot of wiping. <laughs> <laughs> you need like a life's bidet to just squirt it off your life's asshole. Oh, this is perfect. <laughs> but, but you see what I'm saying? Like you get, you get a certain, there, there is a whole story here. Um, and it needs, to, and, and, and I'm excited about where it goes and I, and I want to show other people where it goes. And the only way it gets done is if I do it in my spare time. There's no other way that it'll happen. So, how about that Kickstarter you know, I, shit? What are you into? Are you our patron? Have you thought about that? A lot of <laughs> artists are doing that. Yeah, that's good. I want to hear that voice because I'm curious because yeah. I've been doing so much research and I've I've had a lot of friends that have been successful, some that have failed, and um, it seems like to me that it's way more work than you probably want and it's it has a it's really alluring because it's like oh i can fucking make all this money look at this guy his work shit look at he made all this money <laughs> you know it's like five million dollars for fucking what the hell you know and so you get a delusional but it's it's very uh yeah i don't know what do you think about it well well so i, I two answers one i have participated in a kickstarter through uber entertainment we tried kickstarting right? a project yeah yes and that that video game human resources did not get funded so i have this <clears throat> one sort of experience of failure but that's not actually where my aversion comes from um i i think it, the math doesn't work out because i would you know let's say if i'm working on non-player full-time it's still like the world's slowest comic book if it's going to be at the same level of, of, of finish of the first two issues. Mm-hmm. So let's say, let, let's say I'm working on it full time all day, every day. And I go from taking four years to make an issue, which is what happened with number two to <laughs> taking one year per issue. Let's say I get it to one year per issue and it's planned to be a seven issue series. Mm-hmm. How many pages I've, I've per got, issue again? Um, this last one was 31 pages. Okay. <clears throat> so, uh, you're a very so slow let's, printer like me. Oh yeah, it's like working on the world's slowest typewriter. Some, some manga <laughs> artist said that. But um, so five issues to go. Let's say a year per issue. So if I'm working on full time, full time, I need five years worth of living money to finish this series. Mm-hmm. So, and 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 in order for that to be like, in order for my wife to swallow that, it has to be five years of money comparable to what I would be making at a game company. Yep. Which is probably, I mean, for, for artists anyway, there is no better gig no. money wise. Yeah. The security and everything. There's the security and the salary levels relatively decent. Mm-hmm. And to, to go to Kickstarter hat in hand and ask for hundreds of thousands of dollars <laughs> to, to yeah. help me finish my stupid independent comic book. <laughs> that that I already have like it's already popular and it already has a publisher and people oh my god I would be inviting a shitstorm the likes of which have not been seen at Image <laughs> Comics at least because yeah it would just be really bad news sure. and 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 I really I don't think I would deserve the money I I don't think mm. I'm that that money is for younger people doing braver things or or taking bigger chances like mm. I've got an established thing it sells well when it does come out um, and it's slow 
And I don't know, in order, the only way for it to happen faster is if some magical money came from heaven. Um, <laughs> and, and that might be, that might be Hollywood. Like a, could be DMT, issued, man. Could be DMT. Could be DM, does DMT cause money to come out it, of you somehow? It does. Uh, it causes you not to care. It causes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it opens up your gland of money, your money gland. <laughs> you like, well, fuck, you just Rick James everywhere. <laughs> That's, anyway, so, that's a good so point, though. I, yeah, I, I can't do a Kickstarter where I'm like, I'm going to deliver a finished graphic novel five years from now, and I need you to give me whatever seven hundred grand. Yeah, for that, do it, uh, bitches. Like, <laughs> I would be, I would be a laughingstock. Sure, would just no one would buy that comic ever again. So, I mean, the only way it gets made is if I don't sleep. That's the way it happens. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. We should talk about. Have you seen Otomo's uh, timeline? You seen that? It's depressing as hell. No, what is? Oh fuck, man. Uh, okay, maybe just Google it, like Otomo's like career timeline or something. Does he get super, <clears throat> super huge, super fast? Well, he does like a fucking for like a two pages a day or something for like twenty years or something like that. <laughs> Otomo career timeline. Yeah, it's somewhere there. We'll find it. Andrew, do yeah, you know where it is? I got it. Got it. Can you put it in the podcast or the I've got Skype it. I've note got thing? It. Fucking hell, dude. Yeah, I got uh, it in the notes. It's like Chipotle, but with DMT on top of it, sprinkled. <laughs> okay, but but I want to back up for a second because this gets back to something we were talking about earlier that we didn't get to explore, which is comparing ourselves to good other one. artists good who are one. quote unquote better yeah, than us. We need to talk so, about that, yeah. Um, I do it myself. Yes. And it, it is, you know, like the fast road to sadness and, and, <laughs> and inaction. Like it's a really good, it's a really easy way to just completely get frozen in your tracks. Right? Damn it. Yeah. But it is. <clears throat> here's the thing I remind myself. Um, well, first of all, it's not a zero sum game. Like the fact that someone else was successful doesn't mean that there's less success to go around for everybody else. That's true. You just need to make your thing as well as you can make it. But also, there isn't just like some objective uh, measure of the quality of an artist. And I'm going to, I'm going to go after the most sacred of cows and the artist that I love the most, who is Mobius. Mobius is one of the most amazing artists who's ever lived. What is the great story that he illustrated? What is the unforgettable story that he drew? Maybe Blueberry, people would say, or maybe The Incal or something. Have you tried reading Blueberry recently? No, I haven't. And The Incal is kind of hard sometimes because Yodorowsky is just, he took too much DMT and ate too much Chipotle. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, so, I mean, from an artistic standpoint and maybe from a spiritual standpoint, they're both incredibly successful. Yes. But from just a simple storytelling standpoint, point like an indelible unforgettable moving story almost everything he ever worked on is a complete failure it's interesting way to look at I, it. I know yeah. them them's fighting words no. but like it's there he he his art will stand as a great monolith and, and a beautiful thing that will inspire all of us till the end of time yeah but he was never paired with Somebody who could, uh, my favorite thing he drew was a thing that he wrote himself called a shore leave on Farragonesia um, uh, about this 
like I don't know space sailor getting uh, left behind on some planet and catching some alien disease and a bunch of weird geometric shapes explode out of his head. Does that mm. sound familiar to you at all? Seems like a lot <laughs> of his work. <laughs> this is all like great Mobius <laughs> well, stuff. Let me. What's the name of that one? Because I, I have I have it's a like, lot it's of like his stuff. Shore leave on shore leave. shore leave on Ferragonesia. It's in one of the epic collections. I forget which one it is, but Ferragonesia is P H A R O something 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 oh it's one of those fancy f's yeah. hate those fancy those f's. fancy phs <laughs> but the, the reason i bring this up is not to like drag mobius's name through the mud but oh, it's to not. say that like there there the world doesn't have enough good stories like and 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 even with all these people who are working right now um there aren't enough good stories being made. Like it still feels like it's not enough. Right. I mean, we get Mad Max that has like a semblance of some authenticity to it and we go over the moon about it. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, but, but everything else is, uh, there's a bunch of Avengers stuff and it's like Drek. Uh, did you guys love Avengers? I'm sorry. So I do both work on Avengers, right? No, dude, I'm, that's my, the director is my best friend. No, I mean, I don't like the Disney monopoly. It's, uh, I mean, people will hate me for, I think I'm not into it. Honestly, I just think it's the, the quote, the recommend, the quote that consolidates all that for me is over some, over, um, over specialized and you breeding weakness. And it's the same thing. It's like you, if you put everybody in the same thing and you're constantly just regurgitating things and you're not reinventing anything, it's like, what are you doing? You know? Sure. Sure. Exactly. And so, and so there's like all these, the people that I love the most, like the, are, are not necessarily the, the virtuosos or, or the auteurs, like the people who you look at and you're like, Oh, that's the most amazing that this thing has ever been done. Mm-hmm. Like those aren't the ones that stick to my ribs. Actually the ones that, that really like that I go back to and that I love are sometimes, sometimes the, uh, the quality is not necessarily especially high or polished, but it has a, maybe a purity or a uniqueness to it that, that, that makes it indelible. Yeah, that's a so beautiful way of looking at it. You know, you know what you're doing, though? You're defining your taste in a very high level. So. And you're acknowledging that the heroes that you once thought were the best are actually not. Not in the sense that they're not great. It's just that they're not attuned to your own taste once you're being honest with yourself, what you like. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. I'm, you know what? I'll even go after Akira now that I'm just cutting down everybody. Uh-oh, damn. Let's um, bring it. Bring it. Let's do it. Bring it. Okay, so well, the graphic what, what novel. Akira? The graphic novel or the we'll start. We'll, we'll start with the graphic novel, but both the graphic novel and the anime are not beyond reproach. Have you sat down and watched the anime recently? Yeah, it has, it has moments, definitely. It's not perfect, but... What a lot well, it's, it's amazing. It. It's uh, yes. oh, so amazing. We have I remember the way it melted my brain now. the first time I saw it. We have I nothing we have nothing even close. Not even you know, I watched Mad Max and, and um I I personally wasn't totally enthralled with it as much as everybody else seemed to be, but I I'm very skeptical. I'm not skeptical, I'm just I, I analyze I, my taste is getting very, very sharp every time, you know. Sure. And yeah, um, exactly and I totally appreciate it i'm so stoked that george and all those guys made that because it was a very entertaining popcorn film but to go back to akira i think when we talk about and i'm not sure if it's nostalgia speaking it probably is but nothing comes close 
So nothing close. comes close in terms of like the creative ambition of it and just the inventiveness of it and even the, the soundtrack, the way the music works. The, just the, okay, it's an amazing movie. Like yes. I can geek out about this movie for hours. But yes. I watched it uh, in the last year with a couple of co-workers who had never seen it before. Young kids in their 20s. Fucking young kids in their 20s <laughs> and or their Chipotle. Young kids in their 20s. <laughs> Andrew, have you seen Akira? Yeah. I've yeah. seen it and I've read it. Okay, so he's rare. Before I ask, before I ask you what you thought of it, and whatever your answer is, it has to be in that voice. <laughs> but like, he loves that voice. <laughs> I love that voice so much. I'm like a muppet. Anyway, so, do that voice. <laughs> I don't even remember what it was. It's like your retard voice. It was like, okay. <laughs> oh. it's your like after Chipotle party voice. Oh, bloody undies. Oh. Sorry, go ahead, keep going. You're getting somewhere really juicy. I, I saw it with some. I saw it with some new, some people who didn't have the nostalgia. Yeah. And while they recognized the artifice and the beauty of it, mm-hmm. and and how how uh, visceral it is in places, it's amazingly visceral. But the story barely makes any sense at all the characters are by and large completely unsympathetic there's no clear sense even of who is a good guy if there is a good guy or maybe stories don't need good guys but there's yeah. no one you connect to as a viewer really really it's like this well, i don't well, know some them, people may them. connect to canada or whatever but like or i guess the girl maybe hmm. I don't, who uh, i don't know which anyway, one I'll, I'll let you answer that question sure sure well not calorie <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, it was awesome when she got I, destroyed. Squished. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's all anyone ever remembers about her. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's such a, it, it's a, it's a gnarly film that doesn't really work on a lot of levels. Like, and it's kind of, and here's, here's but even more heres- heresy. Like about halfway through, you, I started, I started to get bored. I was like, this is amazing looking, but this feels a little long. Like I'm looking at my watch. Mm, that's true. That's, I don't, yeah. It is long. So, it right. is long. And yeah, the, the point I'm making is you're making a new thing right now that's inspired by Otomo, right? Or I'm making a new thing now that's kind of inspired by Mobius mm-hmm. and, and, and also Otomo and also Miyazaki and also everyone else we've ever watched who we loved. Yeah. Daro but we're also trying to recreate the sense of wonder we had about this thing when we were young. Yes. But it needs to also pass whatever test we put in front of it now as mature creators, which is and very hard. That's how stuff improved over time not yes. that we will ever make anything better than those people because we never will but but we might come up with something new and special that that had that deserves a place in the pantheon too some years down the line who knows if we push hard for it i think a lot of it breaks down to the you know like you talked about and and i have the same thing when i was really I'm, i've stepped away on different parts of lost boy and i'm working on different things of it different aspects so it's not as intense with the art um, but when I was heavily hitting it, it was like the same, I had the same pattern as you. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to enter back into that soon enough, but it's all, you know, when I look at, like we, when we talk about relating ourselves to these masters, these creative beasts, basically. And the crazy thing too, um, to also relate to the idea that it's caught, you got to be cautious when you relate yourself to your, the masters basically is because right. you are getting their work. 20 years of their work, 10 years, their whole life, the 30 years up to that point that you got that work, you're holding it in your hands. You're holding 30 years of a person who's dedicated and you read it and it's an hour or you watch this film 
and you sit there for an hour and a half, two hours, and you're getting the summation of thousands of people's lives and you're in there feeding it to you. And so it's easy to go like, well, I suck. You know, because I can't, I can't go that gnarly. And of course you can, but at the same time you can try, right? You can always try. I always, uh, I, I always admire, um, there's this really fantastic documentary, um, about Todd McFarlane. Have you seen that Todd McFarlane, the, the uh, devil, you know? No, I haven't. Oh, it's fucking great. I'll send you a link to it or Andrew, would you mind finding it? It's, it's, uh, Todd McFarlane, the devil, you know, and it's, um, it, there's a documentary it's like on a it's like a bbc kind of channel thing it's fantastic and yeah. i won't even say anything about it just watch it i think you'll really enjoy it because of his the way he approached things is and i thought it was really fascinating he was like i didn't look at the great guys i looked at the really shitty guys or the guys that were almost there and i utilized that as my inspiration and that like derived his style basically and how it built out mm. who he um kind of like you can tell in his like his 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 approach to to spider-man was wacky and crazy and it was kind of like just kind of weird you know in a, in a weird way it was totally his voice basically you know and then spawn sure. was his um the, the, the cool thing about it too as an inspiration is he's one of those guys that was out on the reef stayed there for a long time people forgot about him and then he caught like the biggest fish of all and came back and just like bukkake the fish all over everybody's face oh, oh, God. <laughs> I, don't, I actually don't remember a time when people forgot about todd mcfarland though like it's true he was a certainly a huge deal in the 90s i, oh, I remember yeah. waiting in line at a comic convention for an hour to get him to sign my copy of Spider-Man number one. That's power, dude. Then the reboot that he, that he had written and illustrated. Yeah. Um, That's he, power. I don't know if you remember the very early nineties, late eighties, those guys were rock stars. Oh, they like were. Rob Liefeld was in a, was in a Nike commercial directed by Spike Lee. I mean, and people like, make so much fun of planet. Rob's work now. It's funny. Like it's so, it's so interesting. They even do it. They mock even uh, Todd's work and stuff. It's interesting. Um, it's almost like a candle, right? You know, it burns or like a star it burns bright and then it, it just shuts out on itself. I'd really love to talk with Todd at some point because he is a fascinating dude. Um, self-made millionaire off of right. his passions. And, and instead of going, um, it's the way that I think he approached um, the difficulties and the problem solvings of this industry where it's like, you know, you could go and work for Marvel and get paid and you're like, yeah, cool. Or you can go away from that and say, fuck it. I'm going to create my own thing because I feel like it's better. And it's almost, is that ignorance or confidence or a combination of both of those? And, um, when you watch the documentary, that's fascinating though. I love it because it's really interesting viewpoint into this kind of interesting mind of this person who manifested this really interesting outcome, you know, and it's really fascinating. Mm. It's really inspiring for me when I first watched it too, that, and there's this, um, this talk, I re I'm a big fan of Ashley Woods as well, especially you can tell how for me personally, as an outsider, as a fan of Ash's work and a fan of Todd's work and growing up with the both of them as being influences on me creatively, seeing how Ash working with Todd affected Ashley to be this crazy hustling artist. I mean, I'm sure he was prior to it, but Todd has this, I imagine he has this kind of, uh, for me, when I first started doing design, I worked for this guy, um, Kyle Cooper, who's, um, a crazy master of this, all these like title sequences and stuff. 
and he's a very hardworking person. But when you go and you work with these kind of people, um, you get to really see what it takes, I think, and that weird, if that makes sense, you know, Hmm. and you get a firsthand approach and understanding of like, well, if I really want this, then I have to sacrifice or I have to do these other things, um, depending on what you want, basically, you know, so I'm rambling here, but go watch that documentary. It's fucking awesome. So that's all I'll say. On um, that. I, I will definitely watch. Is it on Netflix? It is on the internet. It's free. It's on the internet. Um, okay, cool. In the, in Skype, there's a little, um, uh, okay. You posted the IMDB. I'll send you, I'll find it right now. You, why don't we talk about, man, there's so much to talk about. Like I'm really enjoying this conversation because you have like so much interesting things about, I can tell that you spend a lot of hours late at night working <laughs> on comics and just your own stuff because the uh, dialogue that you're saying is, is ringing. It's like you're talking to my subconscious or something weird like that. But, um, let's see, I'll find, I'll find the link to it unless Andrew, did you get it? Yeah, there's a YouTube one. Okay. There's a YouTube one, but there's a better quality one. This is one, this one, the only reason I said to watch the other one is because this one's broken into chapters. I don't like that, but I think even boards of Canada did this, the soundtrack for it or something weird like that. I can't remember. The soundtrack's really weird and interesting and it feels, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. But to go back just to kind of touch to finish, finalize the, the Todd McFarlane thing is he's a, he's a person who manifested this destiny. Um, it's really fascinating, you know, like you, you could choose to sit and live at your folks house and draw in the basement and, you know, that could be your route, you know, or you could choose to be a multimillionaire and do comics and build your own thing. The thing is that I find fascinating is there's not a big difference between the energy exchanged. It's just, it's like where you shoot your arrow, basically. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The vision. Arnold Schwarzenegger talks about that a lot. A lot of successful people talk about the vision, you know, and having that and manifesting it, you know, and depends on what you want to go for. You know, everybody has their own destination, whether they know it or not. Um, but yeah, it's really weird. Crazy shit. You, you're uh wow yeah we're getting into some big life stuff now yes but uh let's go deep into the it, life stuff it, it, it's pretty funny I, I i've talked to my friends who have kids and it seems like right around the time when we have kids is the time when we start to get serious and and disciplined about um advancing these side projects and it's weird because when we're younger we technically have more free time to do it but I decided to waste away my younger years, like playing Gran Turismo or something. I don't know what I was doing, but I wasn't like, I, I wasn't moving the ball down the field. I wasn't <laughs> building a legacy. Yeah. Um, but, and so I'm constantly like the, the advice, I found myself constantly giving younger people the advice of like, you have maneuverability right now, couch surf, uh, you know, li- be a barista, and use all that other free time that you have and, and you're unburdened with family obligations. You, you can literally do anything you want. M- make the cool thing now. Don't wait until you're married or whatever. Hmm. Uh, and then you have a kid because it makes it all makes everything much more difficult. But the thing I've noticed is that it's opposite is that you don't develop the discipline to focus. Yep. Yeah. Or I, I didn't anyway. I didn't develop that ability to focus until after after Ian was born. Yeah. Uh, some, it, it tripped. Literally, there was a chemical change in my brain that allowed me to really bring that laser focus. I'm really curious how quickly the non-player, for example, could go 
if I were able to work on it full time again, hmm. because I think it would be significantly faster than it has been. I, I want to try out these new tools that I've got in my, in my toolbox, but I haven't quite had a, gotten a chance yet. Well, I really want to talk to you about, we have kind of a, um, a similar, similar approach to detail too. And that really fucking sucks. You know, yes, <laughs> it fucking sucks. I remember, uh, meeting and talking with Jeff Darrow at a comic con some ways back and he was in the booth right next to Mignola and Mignola obviously his style is very simplified, which, which for me is very, I mean, I had really deep conversation with Mignola about his style last time I saw him too at comic con. And we talked about, he, you know, he jokingly said, well, that's because I'm not a good artist. Because what I was saying is that, oh, right. you know, Mignola, like you, you're really figuring out a way of distilling the purity of a page. You know, like if you look at some of his current pages of Hellboy or whatever he's off to doing, it's masterfully laid out, very yep. intentionally masterfully laid out. The whole page, the way the type goes, where the type is, the layout, the size, the scale, compositions, exposition shots, all that stuff. It's you're seeing a summation of many years. And then I go and I talk with Jeff Darrow, who's completely opposite spectrum as far as what comes onto the page and what stays. And for me, when I look at Jeff's work and I see his path and his processes, um, and I haven't worked with him and I haven't seen him draw necessarily, but he's stream of conscious and he draws and his intention when he draws and leaves the paper, that's what it is. Right. Whereas Mignola, I talked with Mignola quite a bit and he's almost constantly editing and tweaking and moving and kind of constantly doubting even to this day, you know, um, that's just fascinating to me. And when I look at your art and I go like, I'm looking at this image where the world split in half you have a chick on a moped right. and the one on like this sweet adventure time swan beast machine. <laughs> Mm -hmm. and the giants and stuff but the and i also look at your files and i go like jesus that's so this piece is going to take you like three years and then you got to do the next one and <laughs> and there's so yeah. much work um do you find that to be a hindrance being do you find your style and your love for detail being a hindrance uh, to getting your production and, and do you feel that you should have you ever thought of switching in or trying to find a different style to make it so your output would be faster or do you care? Uh, well, so there's a book by Kurt Vonnegut called Bluebeard and it's, it's about this fictional uh, abstract expressionist painter, painter named Rabo Karabekian. <clears throat> and he, and there's a, there's a quote in it that, that, he, that he says it's something like the, the one thing that all the abstract expressionists had in common was that if you put them inside a spaceship, with a bunch of paint and just fired them off into space, never to see any other humans ever again, every one of them to a man would still paint exactly the same way inside that space capsule for the pleasure of painting hmm. that, that what, whatever paintings they made were a very pure expression of their selves. Yeah. And the, the one thing I, I've, I haven't met Mignola. I've seen him, but not actually spoken to him. I've talked many times with Darrow. Uh, and, the, and the impression I got of Darrow was exactly the same, is that if you just gave Darrow an infinite amount of paper and an infinite number of pens, he would just, like, noodle Shaolin cowboy stuff till the day he dies. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. totally what makes him happy. It's yes. like his... It's, uh, 
it's his dharma or whatever, if you want to use that word. Like it's just the expression of his, his who he is. Yes. Um, yeah. And I assume I assume Mignola is similar. I don't know. I I, I don't know him as well. But I think it's more he's laborious clearly a master. for him. Yeah, I think it's more laborious exp- experience for him from what I've experienced from talking with him about it because he's very self-critical in the best of ways, you know, and well, he's everyone's, very cynical. I mean, you know? Darrow is too. Darrow's very yes, self-critical he too. Yes, he is very much, yeah. But he also still loves doing what he's doing. He, he loves the chase. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, for, for my part, I almost feel like I have two minds cohabitating in the same skull. And one is a purer kind of nonverbal impulse that loves to draw. That, that loves exploring forms and loves just experimenting with color and, and all that stuff. And I think it may also partly be responsible for the sort of shape of the story. And then there's the other part of me that is verbal and is ambitious and is attempting to turn this very pure thing that this quiet mind is making into something that gets me like acclaim and money. Hmm. Um and I distrust that that part of my brain very much, but and it's a very ambitious part of my brain that I feel is taking credit for a thing that is not really playing a part in making. <laughs> oh. Does that sound like I'm a crazy person? No, it might kind of sound just, that way. No, I I find that to be fascinating. A very similar but different traits, of course, but very. Um, I often say that I feel like there's many different minds and things in my own freaking who's waking up today you know sure exactly who who's who's drawing right now you know is it the hustling business person or is it the passionate kid you know right who is right and and, and getting back to i don't know there there are times even when i'm working at 4 a.m when uh when i'm able to un those those are the best drawing days is when i can unplug that verbal brain and and just let let the whatever the real artist in there, let it just have free reign for a while. Um, but that artist works at a certain pace yeah. and that artist works at a certain level of detail, just sort of reflexively. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, that's what's gratifying. So, so I don't know that I have much of a say in it, to be honest. It's not a thing that I've intentionally crafted. It's just, I, somebody, there's a phenomenon called horror vacui, which is the fear of, of emptiness on a page. Um, mm. and, and some people have accused me of having that, of, of not being able to just leave a spot on the page unmarked. Mm. Uh, and there may be some validity to that. I mean, then I keep drawing until a certain point when I feel like it's, I can't do any more to it. Yeah. But, but I don't control that consciously really. You think it just, it's the intention so pure from your purest self that it just kind of, it is just you creating. Yeah. It, yes, I believe that. Uh, uh, but that part of my brain has a lot of trouble with like the way a page is panelized or the way word balloons are placed. Sure. All that stuff that Mignola has absolutely mastered uh, on every what level. The hell, man, it's so frustrating because his pages are so perfectly composed. <laughs> but but I I can't like get uh, working within that constraint. I always feel like I'm a little bit in a in a straight jacket. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's, that's maybe a more, a longer term learning process. What are you, the thing to also remember is, you know, we talk about our influences and stuff, but also like you said, is these guys have their own 
completely different journey. They have different lives, different upbringings, different programmings, different things, you know, um, which all those little nuances equate to who they are, the actions that they do those days and the things that they made that time. There's no way of actually completely replicating it unless you're that person. Even those right. people have a hard time continually replicating. That's why we have people that are replicating, but making shittier work um, right. or better, you know, whatever. Some people make better work with age. Some people don't, you know. Um, the, but the thing I think to be uh, cautious of as an artist, at least the thing I tell myself is just enjoy it. That I mean, that sounds really pure, but the moments, so I don't know if you do this too, is I'll draw a piece that I made when I was, when my childlike self was creating it, very innocent and having fun and pure. I'll, mm-hmm. And I'll look at that and I'll think to myself, like, I'll look at it a year later, I'll, I'll randomly stumble on it. I go, I can't believe I created that. That's weird. And it's really weird because I go, that's not good because I'm not consistent. You know, I'm not able to. Oh, I never think that thought. No. Yeah. You, you're worried about consistent. You mean you're, you've gotten worse or you just don't like to see change in your work. It's not the change. I think what I'm after is that you talked about the pace of the artist, right? And you said that the certain artist, the artist in you works at a certain pace. And sometimes I forget that that artist works at that pace and and I'm unwilling to give that part of myself that time to create that work, if that makes sense. Mm. So it's not that I'm worried about being consistent because I think I can do that. It's more or less, I, it's like almost looking at a, an old picture of myself or something realizing like, wow, like I didn't realize that I looked that stupid. (laughs) <laughs> or that I look that badass, you know, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm grasping at what I'm trying to explain here. And my words aren't conveying it very well because art's very, no, I think you're, I get what you're saying. It's, it's weird though. When you look at a piece of old art, like, so you've been working on this for a long time and from my assumptions and I shouldn't assume because assuming is bad, but the way that you're creating, which is, slow at your own pace and very detail and the whole page clearness phobia kind of thing. But then when you look back three or four years or whatever at your work past then, what's the feeling that you get? Hmm. Well, I'm, I'm pretty self-critical, so I, I don't look at my own art for pleasure really. Yeah. Um, but, but, uh, there are moments, there are definitely moments where I see that, I, I, I don't know, maybe it's luck or maybe it was a, just a, a brief moment of inspiration where, where I hit on something that, that I still think is pretty special and that I'm not exactly sure how I, how I did it. And I think that's kind of what you're saying as yes, well. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. That's that feeling. Yeah. I go and I look at it and go, who drew that? Uh, like yeah. how do I go back to that person? I guess it is consistency yeah. then. It's a weird form but, because it's a consistency. A purity, you don't need to you know? go back though. No, There's it's no... not. It's not, I don't know if it's necessarily yeah. going back. It's about taking what was pure, bringing it to this day, this current exact moment. Because the things that I admire in art and the things that I love is that purity and it's that thing that speaks to me. Mm-hmm. And do you feel that as an artist that you've been able to achieve those moments in your own work 
where you're you're fulfilled and satisfied is there Um, ever a moment where you've drawn something you're like where you sit back and not in a gloating way not in a whole like this not this not that it's about being fulfilled with what you've made no no not even close (laughs) no uh well sometimes i make a thing you know how sometimes you'll come across uh, a new piece of music on Spotify or something, and the first time you hear it, you'll be like, "Oh, this is the coolest thing ever." <laughs> and then, like, and you'll over listen to it, and then the tenth time you hear it, it starts to wear off. And by like two weeks later, it's completely you've completely drained it of its life force, and you have no interest in it at all. Yes, um, I, I feel like that's a bad action, though. That's an action most, thing. That's a bad action. That's true. But but I, I feel like yeah, very frequently I'll I'll finish a page and I'll be so excited about it that I'll come back down first thing the next morning, uh, come back down to my office and, and, and immediately boot up the computer just to look at it again. And there's a thrill of, of looking at it with a little bit of separation of time from the time when you made it because it, 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 begins, it still retains a kind of newness. Yes, I wonder. It's it's kind of like it's kind of like masturbating with your left hand. <laughs> it's like it's Wait, the stranger. <laughs> oh no, it's my right. So, <laughs> your non-dominant hand. Um, I, I want you I to know that in the world too, so everybody is aware. Good, good. I bet I bet that's never come up on your podcast before. After this many episodes, no, nobody knew which hand. I I'm we're, so happy we got this work. out though. That's actually been a question that I've been asked more than anything else. What hand do you use to masturbate Ash? And also what brushes do you use in Photoshop? Um so uh, but but I guess so yeah, you, there's that kind of like Christmas morning feeling the day yeah. after when you look at the thing and and it's still a little bit alien and you still don't exactly know how you got it to come together and you're like, "Wow." Wow, this is a new thing in the world and and you kind of want to take credit for it and it's kind of amazing or whatever. But for me, that only lasts a few days at most. And when I come back to it after a significant significant period of time, it feels somehow familiar or, or drained of its special sauce. So I, maybe I, I it's know. not. So to go back on it, because I have the same thing and I know a lot of other artists do as well. And I think what we're getting at is that the action of it's almost like oil, right? The oil is underneath the surface. It it exists. We know it does. And we want that shit. So we'll drill into it. And if you, if you drill that fucking shit too much, you're going to deplete it. It's going to be gone. Right. But if you go with a more holistic route where maybe the approach of action would be, okay, I, I'm really excited. I've finished this thing. I'm very happy about it. It's kind of like this thing that fulfills me. And I want to like for the music, for example, I want to listen to this over and over. And I do this all the time too. So don't think I'm, I'm trying to be high and mighty. I'm just trying to figure out a better action. Um, then the moment that you find yourself repeating it, stop that action, switch to something else, create the contrast. <laughs> yeah, sure. And then what you do is you preserve that essence. If that makes sense, you know, because sure. it's yeah, natural. Put yeah, it's natural, I think, for us to destroy everything we touch because we <laughs> it's true, though. Come on. You know, let's be honest about it. We're designed to destroy. It is sure. even ourselves. And if we were to 
there's moments in life where you find yourself hitting your head against the wall. And the moment that you say, wait, 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 why am I hitting my head against the wall is when the, we evolve basically. I think the self reflection is the important part and the actually fascinating part about being a human that we should all take, tar- take part in. And so I think when you, we do these actions and we're trying to create good outcomes, because that there's that purity, you know, and trying to preserve that is really important. I'm reading a book called um, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance right now. Mm-hmm. Have you heard that one? I I believe I read it many, many, many years ago. I don't remember it very well. Damn you. Okay. Well, it's really interesting. I'm uh, maybe you, maybe it'd be good. I don't know if you like books, but maybe it's uh, something that you would. Maybe like when you're riding your bike or something. I don't, probably you probably shouldn't listen to audiobooks while you ride your bike <laughs> at night in the winter. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I cheat a little bit sometimes. Okay, one year in, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Do you think? Uh, do you think anybody is still listening to this podcast here if, on if uh, they, at the end of hour two? Yeah, if they are, they're soldiers. But I, I, I think that. The things that we're bringing up, the true artists, the real person that's interested in this kind of stuff, the non-surface level stuff, that this is the thing why this podcast exists for many reasons, I think, is for these discussions. These are very dynamic, interesting discussions. If not just for me, I, I know that there's a lot of people that relate, that find solace in knowing that they're not alone in these struggles. Yeah. So yes, I'm pretty absolutely. sure, I'm pretty sure. Um, people, yeah, they love this kind of stuff. I think I, I appreciate it. And you can only make the things that you like, you know, why make anything else? You know, the moment you try to make something with intentions of other things, it's like, why you don't even know what that is. So why would you even do it? So, but we should wrap it up soon, but I'm really fascinated. I I wasn't, I wasn't attempting to wrap it up. I was just curious. Oh, well, (laughs) who knows, you know, who, who cares too? like, if you don't want to listen to it, then fuck off. I don't care. (laughs) It's like, that's your decision now to use your time. You know, like I'm, I'm blessed that people even sit and listen to it at all. At the same time though, it's like, if they didn't, it wouldn't really bug me, you know, like Andrew and I are doing this because we love it, you know, like, and I think that's how you should, you should do everything in life. Well, at least I speak for myself. I know Andrew's doing it for like the Chipotle pussy or whatever. (laughs) Raising awareness. Just straight, just fucking getting mad ladies at Chipotle, (laughs) slaying it with all the soccer moms and shit. Hell yeah. (laughs) Have you seen this? This is fucking number 400. Uh, it's insulted so many people. Fuck yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to, to getting tweeted at about my my like takedown of both Mobius and Akira. <laughs> I, I think you have a really valid, really valid point. So, and I think, and and I'm a huge fan of both too. And I'm being completely I am too. honest. I want to I want to go on record saying. That they are both works of genius. All I'm saying is that there is other territory that is still unexplored and yes. we shouldn't give up just because a really awesome thing was made by somebody. No, we should give up and just stop drawing. No, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And, <laughs> and you're, you know, like I remember there's actually a profound moment that I know that you're probably aware of is, um, when Mobius career, basically when he did the silver surfer, um, comic, which is really mm. the parable one, I think, which is really great. Actually, it's a f- fantastic it's piece. It's a, f- it's beautiful, but it also is very smart. I mean, uh, Stan Lee wrote that too, right? Yep. 
And Stanley uh, is a very talented guy. Um, and that was a very, it's a beautiful piece. It was very memorable. And I remember reading the interview with uh, Jandro where he was saying that it was one of the most challenging things that he's done in his career. This is him completely established, world-renowned, right. one of the greatest. And he's saying how hard it was, laborious. The moment I read that, I was like, I don't even think I should do this. It's such a bitch. <laughs> like, I could just go into 3D and render some fucking cubes and people will be like, you're the best. And I'll go, hey, pay me some money and then I'll just make money. And I'll just... <laughs> or I could sit for years and draw some shit and some people go like, yes, fucking uh, Chipotle's better, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. But that at the same time, we're talking about like, why? What's your intentions? Why would you do it? You know, and the design of sure. your intention, you know, so which is also another topic. What is your intention with all this stuff? The reef? Oh, I don't know. I, I, when it started, it was just the pure joy of, of uh, having a new idea and, and getting it out onto paper. Mm-hmm. Um, the ideas are far from new now. I'll, I keep it pretty fresh, but, but, but I am following a, a pretty well-established general story outline. Did you read the fucking um, Hero's Journey? Are you doing that shit? Yeah. Uh, yes. I, well, <laughs> when I was writing the screenplay, I read I read McKee and I, I read the Hero's that? Journey. And, um, I think there's value in it. How about uh, Invisible I think Ink? Have you it, read that? I have not. But I, but I feel like a lot of these books are like, they've got in, like useful pointers in them, but yeah. if they're used in a prescriptive way, they can be kind of limiting. Yes. Um. I don't know. I'm uh, any basically like the people who seem the most excited about those books are often the people whose writing I'm least excited about. Yes. So because know, it's just like worth. a it's a it's a re, it's a um, a reflection. It's too close to that thing. The f- yeah. Have you ever watched um, adaptation? You ever seen that film? Yes, I have. How yeah. brilliant is that? Yep, he actually takes down Robert McKee in the middle of his movie. He does. He just fucking takes him down. <laughs> That's a fascinating film, and it's amazing that that film even got made. I'm so thankful that it got made because yeah, it it's fucking fascinating, really, if you think about it. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm tangenting all over the place, but you're talking about building the story, being having your own thing, and I was talking about your intention, your design of it. I, well, well, I think there's a certain value also to now having uh, – Knowing that there are people who are reading the book and knowing there are people who are waiting for the next one. Um, I, don't, I don't know if the word is like embarrassment or <laughs> fear. <laughs> yeah. uh, but there's, there's, there's something about, uh, yeah, I mean, there's something about knowing that like thousands of people have read it and some of them want more of it and a, a, a minority of them will be like mean about it on the internet. Um, but, but it's still there, you know, I mean, you're still, and, and then what's even worse than when they're being mean about it is when everything goes quiet Yeah, and you've become, or at least in my case, I had become literally addicted to the dopamine rush of, of having strangers talk about me on the internet. It oh, was yeah? really, it's really weird. Yeah. It's truly strange Talk about sensation. That. Talk about that experience. That's interesting. Oh, the, the whole thing is like, I mean, it's, I, it's, 
so for whatever like tiny sliver of indie comics celebrity I enjoyed for two months in the year 2011, <laughs> like um, it, it was a total, it totally screwed with me. Like I turned into such an a-hole so quickly. Um, <laughs> so you can I, simplify, I, I think simplify I was with people, huh? You can sympathize. Uh, once you do that, you sympathize with like celebrities and shit. You're like, oh, I kind of get oh, it. Imagine what it would be like to really be a celebrity with yeah. like random strangers on the street recognizing you by sight. Yes. that's that's a whole other level yep um but yeah I, I didn't like who i became and i and i've had to make a more conscious effort with with the second issue coming out there has been like i'm sort of coming in from the cold and you know doing podcasts and and other interviews and uh, i'll be doing some conventions uh, well one convention i'm going to heroes con in june um and I, I, I worry <laughs> what's that i said you slipped and you said conventions oh conventions yeah no just just the one uh you know because i don't really have a whole lot of flexibility in my schedule anymore sure but um yeah I, i'm not so so th- there's the dual there's the dual um uh whatever the, the driving force both of not wanting to be a failure in public <laughs> Sure. Not wanting to fail in front of a bunch of strangers, and and also wanting wanting the approval of a bunch of strangers, um, and those are both very powerful driving forces. Those will get you out of bed at four a.m. <laughs> quite quite efficiently. That's what you, keeps people think, in nine to five, man. You know, fear, absolutely. obligation. That's a design. You know. Yeah. But I don't want to say I'm working on non-player out of a sense of fear and obligation. Sure. I will say I'm working on it at the hours I'm working on it and uh, with the speed that I'm working on it, with, which while slow is still much faster than it would be getting made, um, that, that, that is probably influenced somewhat by, by all of those factors. Yeah. That's, it's an interesting cocktail of emotions. <laughs> But it's true, and, and I really appreciate how honest you are, and how you know, it takes it takes a certain type of person to admit, like you know, I was going kind of crazy, and I was addicted to my own like you know exposure and all these things, and I was because it, it can it can consume you. I think if you're not cautious too, I think this um, this whole new generation of like the, the the term selfie, I want that shit to just disappear. <laughs> I mean, come, can we just fucking all agree on planet Earth to not use that word and not do it? When people do the selfie thing, I'm like, you're like a four, year, five year old kid, maybe. I don't know. Like, is should it be accepted that you're 45 and doing selfies and like super proud about it? I don't know. You know, like, are you that self loathing? But is that me being cynical and asshole? Probably a little bit, but at the same time, it's like what the fuck <laughs> but well, yeah i mean i guess everyone's going through various they're going through the same thing on various scales that's yes. what facebook is right it's like yes. sort of micro celebrity micro celebrity um, it's, it's a drug man it, it it's literally the exact same drug that is stimulated by heroin right i mean that's it's all these dopamine reuptake mechanisms mm. and and i went through a literal probably year-long phase of withdrawal Mm. Where all of us, where, you know, suddenly non-player is irrelevant and the predominant meme was that I was a failure and a has-been. Wow. And, I, you know, I would walk past the, the local comic shop and, and just feel these waves of dread and guilt. 
and not be able to go inside, you know, for fear hmm. that like the proprietor would recognize me and, and even lightheartedly make a joke about how slow I was going. Like it hurt bad. Hmm. Interesting. It's uh, interesting. Because I, because I, at the time I was get, I was still getting up very early in the morning and still pushing as hard as I could, but I knew that I was only, you know, eight pages into a 31 page thing and that it was going to take multiple years to get it done. Oh man, it was just excruciating. That's interesting. Fascinating shit, man. It's interesting too, the, um, how you're talking about re- going into diving into this, um, it's kind of like a self-destructive spiral, right? Isn't it? Wouldn't you yeah. equate it to that? Is there a way to avoid it? You think, or is it just kind of this inevitable byproduct of achieving a certain status of, a, a, um, I don't know, a goal or something? Is that, is it, is it possible to, in your perspective, is it possible to be successful? And what is that? Um, and balanced basically, if that makes sense. Do you think it is? Have you achieved well, it? Well, I mean, so yeah, I'm I'm there. I've achieved it. Uh, no, <laughs> I, I uh, perfect. I I think uh, what what's the so, so right now I'm I'm coming back in from the desert and I'm I'm at the oasis of issue two and so from now until probably mid July I'm going to be in from the cold and I'm going to be getting warm fuzzy feelings. Um, and I, you know, I will be important again. And the, I, I'm going into it this time with trying to maintain a sense of perspective that, in fact, though I may feel important, this is all transitory, and this is all—it's all nice and it's wonderful to enjoy in the moment, um, but it's not going to last forever. And you know, I, I am me, no matter what the circumstances surrounding me, how they may change. Um, and, and I'm hoping that if I can maintain an even keel during the successful time, you know, I don't, there's a, there's a thing in, I read the Bhagavad Gita a long time ago and there's something about the enlightened man being alike in, in failure and success that, that he, that he does not change Mm -hmm. depending on the circumstances. And, and I, I guess I've sort of aspired to that and failed miserably, but, but I think it's a noble thing to attempt. I love that kind of stuff. I listen and read a lot of that stuff. Um, the Indian kind of culture stuff with all these kind of interesting, uh, things that th- throw my brain for a loop. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, it's really, it's really fascinating shit, man. And you get these different perspectives of, of reality and you're, you know, we're all on these paths and, uh, yeah, it's fantastically fascinating. I'm recently getting into quantum physics. Are you into that stuff much? Uh, I, I have a passing understanding. How, how deep are you into it? Oh, surface level art, you know, my, f- you know, finger painting level, basically. <laughs> you know, like I'm, I, the stuff that I can watch Nature Channel and be like, oh, just a nice thing right there. He's explaining it. But I think I find it fat. And then I read the Wikipedia and I get into it and I watch, I read a couple, you know, like theses and stuff. That's about it. But I find it to be fascinating because, um, in, like one, one example is like with quantum, well, quantum physics and quantum theories and all these things, like the string theory is fascinating or all these different things. Um, even, uh, the one I'm really into right now is the multi world, um, theory, which is sure. fucking nuts. Have you heard about that one? Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, Brian Greene does a, writes some really interesting stuff about every possible 
present, every possible future, every possible past literally physically exists. If you go far enough in any direction, you'll find it. But because that's like the definition of, inf- of infinity yeah. is that th- somewhere and pick a random direction somewhere. There's a version of you who has, I don't, I don't know, polydactyly and, uh, green eyes and, uh, has actually become a millionaire by farting in cans and you just, <laughs> but you have to go really, really, really far to find them like an insane distance. But what is far when it doesn't, when time is, uh, an illusion almost, you know, when time isn't, you know, it's not like some guy farting in cans, you know, like, what is it? <laughs> Man, uh, we are into some it all really comes back. mushy thoughts territory here it it all comes back to the man farting in cans i mean it is but no i mean you know we talk about when you when you get really deep in these kind of theories and stuff which is to me i find fascinating because we have no answers we know nothing really the only way that we understand the reality of that exists around us is based off of our own kind of grasp of how we decipher the reality around us, like in that, um, I mean, in the book, uh, the Zen and the art of motorcycle, motorcycle maintenance, you get into these really, uh, in- interesting topics right now where he's saying, um, this guy grabs sand, a pile of sand, and he's dividing each grain of sand and itemizing each thing. And he says, that's the existence that we, um, most average person does is they, they, they say, okay, well, this is science and science means that, which means this, which means that. And, but at the end of the day, they're all just kind of like, um, it's like a really shitty shack basically that you think is a cool house, but deep down it's like in the labyrinth when she goes into, and she finds her house, but it's not, it's like all garbage. <laughs> I'm good. You like your dolly, don't you? <laughs> what was that? <laughs> oh, it's so good. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good impersonation. I Thank love, you, man. I love it. Yeah, that's uh, Jim Henson as greatest. But that always reminds me. That film is has a lot of those things too about those different realities and and jumping in through different realities and what is real and you know what's authentic and all that stuff. And when you think about art and and trying to be really good at it, you have to really think about these things. I think personally. Or you don't, and you just exist, and you just create, you know? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like I would be, like, most of the cerebral stuff that goes on for me is, like, the sort of post-facto justification of what I do rather than informing what I do. Hmm. Um, I think there's, but, uh, you know, we're talking about that sort of deeper, purer art mind that is actually behind whatever is good in the work. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know that any amount of philosophizing will affect how it approaches what it does. I think that. I'm still here. <laughs> Damn it, Nate dropped out. Let me try to add him again. It's probably streaming porns. Porns. We're at two fourteen. We'll probably yeah. I'm, I'll wrap it up soon so you can get some sleep. Let's see. Let's see. Meow.
see. Bam, bam, bam. Meow, meow, meow. This is so cool. Such a great conversation. I was just going to have this really interesting thought. Yeah. Is he still on Skype? Yeah. Let's see. Let me restart my Skype. Oh, wait. Uh, hmm. There Hello. we go. Okay, cool. Yeah, good. Damn it. You know what the problem was? Is you were just about to tell me the answer to this, the universe. Well, we we're really getting deep into the concept of what the <laughs> um, raw, honest, pure artist is. <laughs> what that ingredient is. And like you said, every philosopher and people could sit for lifetimes and try to dissect it and understand it. I think only the pure artist would understand it by the action of doing it. Yes, exactly. You said it much more eloquently than I could have anyway. You were getting there. You were getting there. It's a fucking Skype cock blocked you. <laughs> fucking Skype asshole, asshole Skype. But no, you're getting there. And, um, I want to, I want to make, I want to let you get some sleep, but I really, I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, I want, is there anything else? Like, I don't want to rush it off, but, um, I don't want to keep you too long, but is there anything else that, um, kind of wanted to talk about or, um, you know, mention on here or try to talk about what you're up to. And so people are aware of it, if they're interested in that kind of stuff. Sure. Plugs time for plugs. Okay. Yeah, if you want uh, to, is that cool? <laughs> sure. Plug, plug yeah. That shit away. Um, well, uh, I've got one thing it's non-player. Um, <laughs> the where second we, issue is coming out on June 3rd. Okay. Where can we get uh, it? Comic book shops or online? Everywhere or? comics are sold. Uh, you can also, uh, probably by the time this podcast is out, you'll be able to order it through my website, okay. which is, um, nonplayer.storenv.com. S T O R E N V Y. Okay. Um, and you can also just Google nonplayer store and it'll come up. Okay. Um, well, I will be doing uh, a, a few signings uh, on, let's see, uh, June, the night of June 3rd, I'm going to be a doing, doing a signing at Comics Dungeon in Seattle. And then the night of June 5th, which is a Friday, I'll be doing a signing uh, at Arcane Comics in Ballard, which is also in Seattle. Um, then the following Sunday, and now we're into, let's see, the following Sunday, the 7th, I will be at, oh boy. What, what month, what month are we talking about here? We're talking about June still. Okay. We're on June 7th. All right. Um, it's a, oh boy. See, I am terrible, terrible, terrible. It's a comic shop in Tacoma. I'm going to go- Google Tacoma comic shop. Why don't you send, Destiny, you can also comic send us, Destiny. you can also send, send us a link. Anyway, we'll have I'll, I'll be notes. signing, I'll be signing in Tacoma on that Sunday. And then the following uh, Saturday, I will be signing at Third Eye Comics in Annapolis, Maryland. Um, and then the weekend after that, I will be at Heroes Con for from Friday through Sunday. Um, and there's going to be a bunch of, I'll be selling comics, I'll be selling posters. I've got, I printed up the, the image that you referred to um, when we were talking, the yeah, one with the big, split huh? reality. Yeah. There's a real, real big poster of that that I'll be selling at all of these events. 
And uh, you can keep up with everything that's going on by going to nonplayercomic.blogspot.com. Oh, no, that's not what it is. I don't even know my own stupid <laughs> website. It's, I'm tired. I was like, now. wait, what? Uh, let's, <laughs> and you got to do that it's voice, just, too, It's though. just nonplayer. Nonplayercomic. Non- <laughs> uh, yes, it's just nonplayercomic.com. There okay. you go. Awesome. That's all I got. Well, and then we, we always buy any too. game that Uber Uber Games makes. Because <laughs> that, that would maybe if I like got a lot of money from that job, I could just work on non-player for the rest of my life. There you go. You own the stock in there. But no, it's, yep. we'll have links to all this stuff. Please send it to Andrew and I. And when we release the podcast, also as a feature from the podcast, we put in show notes and stuff because Andrew goes combs through a year and grabs like the relevant things that we talked about, so people they're like too lazy to google they can just click the links to go yeah click the linkies <laughs> i don't know google you ever seen that website uh let me google that for you anytime somebody <laughs> asks me some stupid shit i'm like here you go i just say let me google that for you i just send them that link i'm like you fucking lazy asshole <laughs> but andrew's kind enough he's so nice you guys send him some love is he's willing to take time give you guys certified little links to help you guys out because we know it's hard to Google these days. It's a tough life out there. <laughs> I should there. just turn all the links into let me Google that for you links. <laughs> oh, that'd be amazing. But we want to support Nate and what he's no, doing. You should do it. They can Google it. Punk no, rock it's worth out. it. It's hilarious. That'd be punk rock as fuck. Yeah. No, definitely, man. I think um, I, I really want to do a part two if you, if in, if you're ever up for it. I think that'd be a lot of fun. The things that we're talking about here are really interesting um, for me personally. And I know I'm just, I imagine for the audience to amount the deep philosophical concepts of what it is to be an artist, what art is and our own personal journey through that kind of weird passageway. If that makes sense, you know, through our own intentions and our egos, if that's, you know, which is a total topic of worthy. So I had lots of fun chatting with you guys. Uh, I want to hear more from Andrew if I do this again, though. Maybe yeah, fucker. <laughs> just be me and Andrew next time. And you should do you it. Can, we'll just listen to you breathing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's how long though we've said something really profound. Apex twin song. <laughs> oh. <laughs> or my movie voice. Oh, fucking Iron Man. <laughs> He's a guy with machine armor. Oh, it's Marvel movies. Uh. You sound like you sound like Job from uh, Arrested Development. <laughs> I don't know. I've never seen that. What? you never seen Arrested the, Development? The guy who does the Batman voice in the Lego movie. Uh, I've watched is Arrested Development the one with uh Walter White? No, it's the Breaking dad. Bad. No, it's Breaking Bad. With you. No, with you, Andrew, don't let him do this. <laughs> it has uh Bilbo Calrissian <laughs> in it, right? Oh man, <laughs> it's three rings. They're going for the mountain of Gondor. <laughs> <laughs> Super dragon smoke, smoggy guy. <laughs> Oh, why didn't we start with this? Let's start over, guys. It's almost 1 a.m. Let's just go from 1 to 4, and then I'll just go right to work. All my questions will be in the form of movie voice. (laughs) What makes good art for you? (laughs) Oh, God. Fucking movie voice guy. It's the best. Honest trailer voice guy. Perfect. Okay, well, we can end on that, because that's amazing. I don't think there's any way to end a better podcast than this on the movie voice. Tons of fun. Tons of fun, dude. Can't wait till the next time. Congratulations on everything. Wishing you the best on your journey. I'm going to go buy your comic and support you so you can put the roof on there and all that good stuff. 
I already got a roof. Now it's time for some. Maybe we'll put a, a new screen door on. Oh, Ooh, a toilet. <laughs> and get that toilet cheddar, baby. <laughs> How about the water in the toilet? It's even better. I can yeah, pay only, my water only bill, baby. Only Avion in that toilet, man. It's the Avion toilet. <laughs> oh, it's only made for when you eat Chipotle and you know that Chipotle needs to touch the Avion toilet. <laughs> Oh, this is so good. Oh, my God. This is stand-up material right, right here. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Get some sleep, a couple hours, yeah. and then, then get to work. All right. All right, guys. Have Catch a fucking good night. Chipotle, 100%. <laughs> later on. See you guys. And that does it for this week's episode. Big thank you to Nate for joining us this week. You can find links to Nate's work in all the show notes for this week's episode at thecollectedpodcast.com slash 104 along with links to our Facebook, Twitter, and iTunes podcast page. Have a glorious day, everybody. Be powerful, be prolific, peace out.